whenever you need sports. Sports conference. Tune in to the nosebleed seats. That was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. Join Zach Wolchuk, Zach Babb, and Eric Giafalo as they take you through the top stories of the week and beyond. I don't know who the hell that is. It's time for the nosebleed seats. There's not much that gets me more fired up. It's about that time for some nosebleed seats to show everyone can afford to listen to. I am your host, Zach Wolchuk, alongside my co-host, Eric Giafalo, and producer Bab. It is episode number 17, and as always, you can count on the most badass content known to man freaking kind right here on No Split Seats Podcast. We've got a loaded show. It's 100 days, 100, 100, one big double O days until kickoff, baby. In the NFL season, we're going to talk a little pigskin because you know we sure love doing it. Josh Norman's made some comments. Brock Osweiler also spoke, as did the New York Giants owner on Colin Kaepernick say, what? And the NBA Finals are around the corner, and we've got the biggest Cleveland Cavalier, LeBron James Homer, known to mankind. You know him as Kennedy, a.k.a. the nosebleed seats NBA connoisseur Miller. He'll be joining us on the show, and we'll even talk a little bit more football We'll talk some quick buck with Bab because the Stanley Cup Finals are going on. We got Let's Get Weird with Wolchuk. We might even spice in a little bit of Wonder Woman talk and some UFC marriage proposals. Yeah, that's right. All that way coming more. But first and FOMO. <laughs> first and FOMO. Dude, man, you were killing that know, intro, damn bro. It, you damn added it to the right it. there to the end. Can we, can we cut that out? Can we nope, do that? Nope. Stay hang on that. <laughs> well, first and foremost. Guys, how's it going? I haven't seen you in a week. No, yeah, it feels like it's been a lifetime. But even before that, I just need to mention, I hope Kennedy's better than he was last time he was on. You know, it looks like he he just had a lot going on. He he was in his bathroom dropping his phone, playing video games, cooking dinner, and eating dinner all at the same time. So I look forward to talking to him about some NBA, giving him some... You're going to have to give him some crap about LeBron, tell him that MJ's still your man. I am going to have to say that. I'm going to have to tell him to stay in his lane. Stay in your lane. Because Michael Jordan's always going to be the GOAT, baby. But LeBron is making a case. He's, he's getting in the conversation. But, yeah, I mean, all due, due respect to Kennedy, he knows we love him. So this is coming from a good place. But he sucked last yeah. time he was on the yeah. show. No, I think he could look in the mirror and he would probably admit it, too. He killed it when he was on in studio. Oh, in studio. But that it phone was phenomenal. Was... Actually, people say it's one of their favorite episodes when, when Kennedy came in in studio Got got in the bedroom with us, and it was a wonderful rendezvous. Under the sheets. Yeah. It was awesome. And then I don't know what happened. The distance, he wasn't kissing us through the phone. No, he was not. He was work. not. You're right. We were trying no. to, and he wouldn't do it. He wasn't <sighs> having it. He just, he wasn't opening his, he wasn't cooperating. He just had a lot going on that day, so he'll be better today, and I'm excited to talk some finals, man, because the finals has, well, not technically yet, but... We know, even though we've known all season, who it was going to be. It's official. It's officially official. And we tip off Thursday evening. I cannot wait. I can't wait either. Because actually now it's time. Like, we can tune in. As soon as Cleveland defeated Boston, it's like, all right, now I'm actually going to tune in do some NBA basketball. Yep. The season has finally begun. Flip on the tube. It took till June. Watch ESPN app. We got two weeks of great NBA basketball to try and shame us away from the rest of the dreck that we saw all year long. That's what we're going for. Yeah, now we get the now we get the gold standard. Now we get what everybody's been waiting for. It's just been a huge, huge buildup. Fortunately, it doesn't end, hopefully, in a blue ball. This ends in a beautiful, beautiful ending. 
with uh, you know the rainbow. There's a pot of gold. Yes. Look at me, Lucky Charms. It's yeah, all right going to be there. Of, oh, we're going to run to it, grab it. It's going to be the NBA Finals trophy, and hopefully it's the Warriors or it's the Cavs because you know one of those two teams is probably going to win. Really? Are you going to go out on a limb right now and do that? I think I'm going to do that. I think Bold, I'm going to say one of those teams is going to win the Finals. I don't know who, mm-hmm. but one of them will. Well, who could know? You know? But that's the next best thing. Whoever wins game one will probably score more points than the other team. Wow. Hot take galore in here. It is Jeez. getting steamy. I'm sweating freaking bullets. That's how hot it's well, going. Well, thank God you're not wearing your shirt like always because uh, we'd probably be seeing it through the pits right now. Yeah, well, if I were to lift my arms up, you would see the nice cheddary white coating of my deodorant. I had a listener actually have the gall to ask me if you actually do the show with your shirt off. Like, we're, what, what are we doing here? And what are of we, course, some sort of... The answer is yes. Yeah, Obviously. But, of course... Are you kidding me? We weren't joking about how hot it gets in here. If I didn't have my shirt... Well, maybe the shirt off makes it more hot, but... But the temperature, too. Gosh, I wouldn't be able to survive. I'd be sweating... I'd be schwitzing through my cotton. Exactly. So every blue moon, I wear pants, but Walchick's never wearing a shirt. So that's just the way we roll here. It also tints the walls green. Yes. What? You sweat green. What? It, am I Shrek? Never mind. <laughs> I think that did was. You, a, did you get that, Eric? I think I did. I think I, I think I got it. I that think went he, well over. I my think head. he just slapped you with a merry joke. Was it right a mean green? Face. No, oh, it was. It, oh, was, a, it was a happy joke. green. It was a happy green. That, a marijuana that joke. really wasn't what it was either. But wow, let's just okay, move on. it looks like I've uh, lost myself too here. Thank you, Bab. Let's just move on, please. Massive failure. You know what? If you had the audio of us in that Denton ISD game where I made a joke and you totally didn't pick up on it. Yeah. And then I had to explain it on air. There's this was nothing live, worse. too. This yeah. is revenge for this. Yeah, that was an embarrassing moment. And now that that has come full circle, it's time to finally jump into our NFL roundup. We're going to do a quick little NFL talk. Then we'll transition into basketball. We'll get Kennedy on. Then we'll go back. Well, we might actually stay on basketball for a while, but eventually we'll go back to NFL because we got a lot of random NFL stories to cover. Besides the fact that it's 100 days away from kickoff, how awesome was it? Memorial Day weekend, the NFL Network showed all 50 America's Game episodes. Well, now there's been more because there's been 51 Super Bowls, but uh, obviously Super Bowl 51, which will showcase the Patriots, hasn't been released yet. It usually comes out the opening week of the NFL season, but they had the 96 Packers team on, and you can see our good old buddy now, John Michaels. Oh, no way. In the highlights. Yeah, my grandfather actually took a, he was watching with my grandma at home, took a picture of it, his 76, Michaels on the back, and Brett Favre's just turning around smiling at him in one of the games. Oh, my gosh. That's phenomenal, man. Sent me that picture, said, isn't that cool? Got a lot of good feedback. Again, thank you so much to Dr. John Michaels for coming on board. I thought that was a pretty awesome interview. It made for a really fun segment. Official physician of Nosebleed Seats, so thanks, Doc. That he is. Some not good news regarding the Cowboys in the news. Cornerback Nolan Carroll, who they signed in free agency from the Philadelphia Eagles themselves, got arrested on Memorial Day for a D. UI, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, a drunking, undrunk. A drunking. <laughs> You're drunking right I'm now. I'm drunk right now. A driving. It was a DWI. Excuse me. A driving while intoxicated. Oh, that's the that's the uh, that's the that's the home run right yes, there. Yes. At 2:14 p.m., the Downey Dallas County. I cannot talk today. Jeez. Good. The Lord. Dallas County Sheriff's Department 
posted bond for Carol. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that Dallas Cowboys offer free Uber rides for their players. So there is absolutely no excuse. Not that an NFL player couldn't afford to pay for their own freaking Uber in the first place. But there's absolutely zero excuse for not only a Cowboys player, but I'm sure all the teams around the league offer the same services to not get an Uber driver, not have a friend drive you. DUI, CWIs, Tiger Woods also got one if you're a professional. Come on, guys. With Lyft, with Uber, with all these services out there, it's becoming more and more moronic for you to get behind the wheel of a car after you've been drinking. And I heard he was leaving a cowboy. Wasn't he leaving like a cowboy, some sort of Cowboys event? Wasn't there like... It was some sort of like welcoming to all the new signees or something like that. That's what I read something about that, but maybe I'm wrong. I do not know the details to that. I wish that I did. You're throwing, catching me a little off guard, um, but it's possible. If it, and, and if that's the case, it's even worse. It just doesn't make any but sense. It doesn't make any sense because if it is a Cowboys function and he's with other players or other coaches or other team people, right, employees of the club, why the hell would you let an individual leave? Yeah. If, or any of the players. Tell. I mean, I don't want to put anything on. I don't want to just like make it seem like there was a bunch of Cowboys people there. But that's just something that I did read. There were definitely some Cowboys people there. But either way, how does this affect him? I mean, is he for sure? He's not going to be released or anything. You don't see the Cowboys make any moves that way. He could potentially, could he face any sort of suspension from the league? I don't know. Does the league suspend for DUIs and WIs? I don't think they do. Maybe uh, you get a fine. There's I don't probably, think they suspend for yeah, that. He may get into some sort of program. Yeah. You know, and if he has a second offense or whatever. Then he could receive. I don't think that there will be any suspension. kind of suspension. No. Now, a Cowboy defensive players being suspended is nothing new, as we no. were we were just talking about last yeah, episode. Just add but, it to the list. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think a, a month ago or two months ago, if this were to happen, there's no way he gets released. But because of three cornerbacks that were drafted, four defensive backs in general, with Xavier Woods at safety and his versatility. In the draft, it gives the Cowboys a little bit more flexibility and confidence that they could get by without an only Carroll. But, no, he was one of their very few and only uh, big-time free agent signings. I don't think his job is in jeopardy unless he plays poorly in training camp. If he comes down and plays poorly, you add this to to that, yeah, I think it's a reason to maybe say Sinar, but he, he should be secure uh, to at least go with the team to Oxnard, be a training camp in Frisco. And he's penciled in as a starter right now? As of right now, I believe, yes, he's one of the outside corners that will be starting. Okay. I mean, you're looking at just, I mean, hey, listen, he's been in the league for a handful of years now, so he's definitely, I think you would just call him just a guy. A J-A-G, a jag. He's a jag. He's just a guy. Just a guy. He, yeah. he can get by with him. He, you know, he's going to look dumb sometimes, but he's serviceable. You'd love to upgrade him, you know, but when you're going through an offseason like the Cowboys did where you're strapped on money, you need a spot, you need a veteran. He's a nice guy to have, and he's good on special teams. I can note that. He used to be a Dolphin. He was a good special teamer, average overall player, but he brings some some veteran credibility. At least he's played, you know, unlike a lot of these guys that y'all have now, like a lot of these rookies that they're probably going to have to depend on. So you kind of need him, even though he's not great, mm-hmm. but it, you need a body out there. No, you're right. And, and he's been there, done that. The plus is, so far, the the response from minicamp is these rookies are smart. It's not taking them a long time to get adjusted to the playbook. That's a good thing, and, and I think that speaks to the Garrett kind of guy. When this team started winning in 2014, they got a taste of it. First real success under Garrett as the head coach. All of a sudden, they shifted to, all right, let's take a gamble on a Greg Hardy. We're a pass rusher away, right? Let's bring in Greg Hardy. I don't think that was a head coach-approved move. I think that was a Jerry Jones-approved move. Now you kind of move into a situation where, all right, we've had success again, but this offseason you haven't seen the Cowboys make that big splash 
and try and bring in a guy with some off-the-field issues. The draft was full of the right kind of guy, the Garrett kind of mold, the team captains, etc. I think that speaks highly to the reports that you were getting from how the rookies performed at OTAs. And yes, Nolan Carroll, I think that there, I was never super high on Carroll as a corner. Ryan Broaddus from DallasCowboys.com, former NFL scout, uh, worked with the Packers, won a Super Bowl there, worked with the Cowboys as well. He has said he doesn't see a huge decline in the way that Brandon Carr performed as to what Nolan Carroll will provide for you. I personally always thought higher of Brandon Carr as a player than I did as Nolan Carroll. Carr doesn't make the splash plays for you, but I always thought he was in position, serviceable guy, doesn't get beat a ton, and if he does, he's in position to at least make the tackle so he's not giving up a huge play. Nolan Carroll's a guy that I feel like I've seen him get beat several times down the field. Yeah, you can see him get beat, especially, I mean, you've seen him especially going up against Des Bryant. So when he gets up against these dominant receivers or guys that can be dominant, he's obviously going to show some some of his lacking skills there at the cornerback spot. He's not phenomenal by any means, but it's not that much of a drop-off from Carr. You're looking at two just, you know, decent players. I will hold judgment as to my Nolan Carroll as a Cowboy because I actually had a buddy of mine that's a huge Cowboy fan. He texts me. He's like, "You think? what do you think about Nolan Carroll? And I said the same thing. Look, I don't know. I wasn't high on him, but I'm going to wait and see how he looks in preseason. Maybe he's better than I think. I haven't gotten to watch him a ton over the years, uh, the handful of games where the Cowboys have played the Eagles, or I do remember him playing with the Dolphins a little bit. I just never thought the guy was anything special, but we will see. Speaking of cornerbacks, Josh Norman had a quote out there basically putting the NFC East on notice that him and DJ Swearinger are just going to knock some heads back. I don't know. You got the quote ready? Well, according to Bleach Report, I got the long quote here, but he also called uh, Josh Norman called Des Bryant just a guy. We just got done calling Nolan Carroll just a guy. Well, now Josh Norman's throwing that uh, jag talk Des Bryant's way. How does that make you feel as a proclaimed Desbian? I don't care. First of all, Josh Norman's comments were he's asked about the word association of Des Bryant. And he says, that's a guy, just a guy. Des was Des in 2012, 13, 14, maybe 14. Now he's a guy. Well, your facts are incorrect. Des Bryant's best year in the NFL was 2014, where he led the league in touchdown catches. And the Cowboys went, as we know, 12 and 4 and should have played in that Super Bowl. Am I bitter? Yes, I'm bitter because Des caught it. And a former Green Bay Packers Super Bowl champion even admitted that Des caught it. But no, it's just Norman running his mouth. I think Des got the better of Josh Norman in that Thanksgiving Day game last year. Des didn't have a phenomenal game, but there were two huge plays on third downs that the Cowboys needed. And Dak went to Des, and Des outmuscled Josh Norman for a couple balls. I was fortunately there, I saw it live. So you know what, Josh? I love the battle of wits here. Try and get in his head, but you ain't getting an 88's head, baby. He also called Odell Beckham of the New York Giants, quote, a big kid. So he's just talking smack to the two best receivers in the NFC East. And uh, he also went on to say this. He said, trust me when I tell you it's going to be bad blood this year. You think the NFC East didn't like each other before? This right here? There's going to be a lot of fines and maybe, maybe some suspensions. I'm going to be honest with you. This bleep is going to get really ugly, as opposed to pretty ugly. I don't know, or pretty bleep. Uh, but because I do have a safety that don't give a bleep, and I definitely don't give a bleep. And I know they don't have that many people on the offense who do on their side. So he just said, "Dang boy, y'all are." He just called y'all some softies on the offensive side of the football. 
Look, it's probably Which I don't get why because a couple you white guys studs. got You guys are anything less than soft on the offensive side of the ball. I wouldn't want to piss that offensive line off. Or that running back off. Sure. Oh, Zeke will get in there too. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't want Terrence Williams with me in a bar fight. But I do love this out of Norman. This just oh, makes yeah, me so sure. much more excited to see the matchups because it is. He said that suspensions, fines, bloodbaths, pretty bleep, bleep this, bleep that. He's drawing attention to himself. I love the way he runs his mouth. It makes it entertaining. But don't threaten my boys. You want to take out ODB? I don't care. You come at Des Bryant. I will personally drive my ass over to the stadium, try and get onto the field, and we can have some words, bro. Well, and the safety he's referring to that doesn't give a bleep about, I guess, just cracking heads and killing people on the field is DJ Swearinger, formerly of, pretty sure, Clemson or South Carolina? He went, I want to say South Carolina. I know he started yeah, South Carolina. with the Houston Texans, as I'm ended, sure Bab can attest. He ended Dustin Keller's career. Dustin Keller was a Miami Dolphin for about five minutes, and in those five minutes... DJ Swearinger in a preseason game came in and just blew his knee right out, ended his career. So Swearinger is—he's known. I mean, you can Google Swearinger, especially in college, he was cracking heads. But in the NFL, he's been nothing more than well, just a guy. He's an enforcer. He's a big hitter back there. I don't think he can cover. What's also interesting to add to this story is the NFL Top 100 has been going on. We've mentioned it a couple of times. I think I sent you a tweet. Jay Ajayi, the Miami Dolphin running back, also Frisco Liberty standout. He's number 69. Number 69. So 60 to 51 was released last week. I haven't seen 50 to 41 yet. But Des Bryant came in at number 60, and right ahead of him at 59 was Josh Norman. And really, you look at this whole list, 60 to 51, you had Des Bryant at 60, who's led the league in touchdowns since 2011 with 61. You've got Josh Norman at 59, who a lot of people could still make the case might be the best corner in the league. No. You don't think so? No. I think he's definitely top he's like, three. He's like probably he's probably maybe top five. I would give him maybe top five. Who do you think's number one? Number one, I mean, off the top of my head, you always look at those Patrick Petersons, but actually um in Atlanta, Trufant. Desmond yeah. Trufant. Trufant, huh? I'm Pretty a big sure his Chris first Harris Desmond. Jr. fan. Chris Harris Jr. is another one of those guys who's a stud. And then you got Sherman. But Norman, at the end of the day, is still pretty good. But, you, okay, I mean, you could make a case. I still thought 59 was a little low. Zach Martin, the Cowboys All-Pro guard, checked in at 58. And he's I know probably better than that, he's too. He's probably better than 58. Winston was 57. Cliff Averill was 56. I think that's pretty fair. And Dominican Sue, 55. Yeah. I think that's probably about right. But you had Janoris Jenkins at 54. Do you think Janoris Jenkins oh, Janoris is better Jenkins, than Josh yes. Norman? He showed, I mean, he, last year he definitely was. He had one better year. I, I mean, that's tough. That's a tough call. I think I would take right now. I mean, Janoris Jenkins had a definitely a better year. And that's what this NFL a better thing year. is. That's what this NFL thing is. It's pretty much based on your previous year. Yeah. For the, I mean, obviously there's some sort of just longevity and if you're a big name or well, what have you, know, you. but for Adrian the most Peterson, part I think made it was he on there okay but, see, you know, so, he, but it's basically like exactly he didn't play last year he was injured but you're still one of the best players so we're gonna throw you in there exactly but for the most part it's just for the previous season so based on the previous season yeah Jenkins is better Amari Cooper was 53 would you rather have Amari Cooper or Des Bryant give me Cooper really he's younger that's pretty much the only reason why okay well I'm all right, sure. I can. I usually. I mean, go, that's like the main thing. I usually go with youth as well. Yeah, I'm going with the youth. A Madden team. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I don't I'm know. talking about for a season. Yeah, for a season. Right now, today. I mean, you're, you're fl- going you're into 2017. You're kind of flipping a coin. You got two studs on your hands, so I mean, what does it even matter? Give me Cooper. 
Because I know you're going to go with Dez Bryant. Anyway. I'm going to go with Dez, sure. And Andrew Luck was 51. Well, first off, Gerald McCoy, I skipped him at 52. I think that's fair. Andrew Luck was 51. I'm interested He's, to see the quarterbacks ahead of him. I, yeah, I'm interested to see the quarterbacks ahead of him as well. But he also, again, based off last season, he wasn't, I guess, phenomenal last it's year. So I don't know. Quarterbacks are so much more difficult. So it's, it's like, how do you, it is. I mean, how do you really, really place it? They I don't could know. be the top Honestly, 20. all these lists, they don't mean jack. No, they it's mean just, nothing. You know, whatever. You know, next year is going to be a completely different deal, and we'll see what happens. But don't the players vote on this? Is it the, is it the players that are voting on this? So it's kind of, I guess it makes it a little bit interesting if you have players voting the for players other do players. Vote. And I don't I, know who else votes, but. Eh. The play, they say the players vote. They say this year they got more players to vote than they ever have before. Uh, I think it is interesting, though, when did they vote? Because if you're going in of an individual player, like what's the freshest thing in your mind? So if they vote after the playoffs, if they vote. Week 16, week 17. Dez had his best game probably it's gotta be after the season, against dude. Green Bay. It's probably after the Super Bowl. It's probably weeks after the Super Bowl when nothing's fresh on their mind. No one even cares. No the one way even that knows. they interview them, though, in the interview process, some of their comments make me think it's in season. Like, it's late in the year. Interesting. It is interesting. We well, actually have, we've got the Dez Bryant and Josh Norman uh, top 100 cuts. They're, they're each under 30 minutes long if we want to hear them. They're pretty cool. Yeah, let's let's push that to later because I, I know that didn't, we need to get uh, didn't Brock Osweiler make the list? Oh my top gosh. NFL top one hundred. Where is he at? Where's Osweiler? This is actually hilarious. You're Good right. God, um, please no. You don't think Brock Osweiler is one of the top one hundred players in the league? Bab, you bite your tongue. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Bab, you bite your tongue right now. Osweiler, Osweiler, or luck. Ooh, wow. I mean, talk about splitting hair. Well, yeah, right? For someone, for someone who had to watch David or uh, David Schaub, David Carr and Matt Schaub. And Derek. Derek? No, he no, watched David, David Carr. David Carr. Talking he's a from Texan. the Texans oh. fan. Oh, God. David Carr and Man, he's had to watch some bad Matt Schaub and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Dan Orlovsky. Ooh, Dan Orlovsky. That's like Trubisky, but worse. Statistically, you can't, statistically, statistically. Brock Osweiler is the worst Texans quarterback out of all those. Wow. Okay, so what are we so, thinking? Better than Luck? No. Neck and neck? No. All right, so where was he on the top 100? 100. Well, I don't think he was on the list. Okay. Oh, good. Wow. Uh, yeah, he's not in the top 100. Spoiler alert. He didn't make the list, and he actually was kind of roughed up a little bit by a reporter verbally. Where is he playing now? Is he in the armpit of football? Yeah, Houston was lucky enough to beg Cleveland to... Take him for some draft picks. Including a second-round pick. They received him and a second-round pick. Yeah, so <laughs> they're like, here, please take Just, this guy off our hands so we can bring in a rookie quarterback by the name of Deshaun Watson. All right, so we're going to check in on Brock Osweiler. He obviously, unfortunately, probably just barely missed it. He's got to be 101-102. Yeah, he was probably right on yeah. the cusp of, of cracking yeah. that top 100. But just missed it, so let's check in on him. It looks like we have somebody asking him at a press conference, someone giving him some some trouble. Hey, Brock, how you doing? You know, I'm not going to compare the two situations because, uh, one, they're two different teams. Um, they're two different systems offensively, how we do things. Um, my sole focus right now is on this system, this team, and uh, being my absolute best I can possibly be for the Cleveland Browns. But are you good enough to be a starting quarterback in this league? I mean, regardless of the system. Absolutely. Why? <laughs> I, I think the proof is in the film <laughs> for the past two years. But, I, but some people would say the proof's not in the film from last year. It's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, God, that's <laughs> awful. Gosh, Just, what a jerky reporter, oh. though, but that's so brilliant. And you look at two, both sides of the fence, what the hell is Brock Osweiler supposed to say? Well, yeah, what is this he guy supposed to himself. say? Yeah, it's like, what am I supposed to say if I'm Osweiler? And how much? 
You got to be such. What kind of person do you have to be to stand there amongst a group of people, look a professional athlete in the eye, and, and just Ballsy. question him like that? Are you even good enough to be a starting quarterback? Ballsy, my. And friends. then he doubles down. He says, "Why? Because being a, a person Why? who we're we're in this business <laughs> and we've got to be there and talk. Sometimes it can be one a little intimidating when you're in that setting, especially the first few times. Oh my gosh, I'm here with a bunch of other reporters. I'm talking to a professional athlete. You've kind of got to get used to it. This dude's probably been there for years." And not only does he ask questions here, he's going at it. He's like, basically, I think you suck. Why the hell do you not suck? <laughs> hey, can we play this? Uh, run it all. Can we run it all the way back and play the whole thing one more time? You know, I'm not going to compare the two situations because uh, one, they're two different teams. Um, they're two different systems offensively. How we do things. Um, my sole focus right now is on this system, this team, and uh, being my absolute best I can possibly be for the Cleveland Browns. But are you good enough to be a starting quarterback? Just no, you're not. Absolutely. The system? Absolutely. First shot fired. Why? <laughs> Second shot fired. I, I think the proof is in the film for the past two years. But I, but some people would say the proof's not in the film. From Third last shot. Year. Kill shot. <laughs> That's the kill shot. Bang, bang, <laughs> bang. Oh, I love that he kind of he kind of just like laughs it off a little bit initially. Like Osweiler just kind of like... Just kind of chuckles a little bit. Do we have that? Does he just kind of chuckle here? <laughs> yeah. Like, really? It's like, seriously? Yeah, really? I mean, what's he supposed to say? And I, look, credit Brock Osweiler. I think he handled that well. Credit the reporter, though. He stood his ground, and he was like, this is how I feel about you, dude. I'm going to ask you some tough questions. You sucked in Houston. You were okay to average in Denver. Clearly, you didn't wow them. You ended up losing your job. They gave it back to Peyton Manning, went on to win a Super Bowl. But then the guy finishes it out. He continues one last uh, fire of the gun. And then the only reassurance from Osweiler is just, it's okay. That's okay. It's okay. That's <laughs> okay. Gosh, that was great. The other bit of news that we have uh, oh, in the world of the National Football League was Giants owner on Colin Kaepernick. Why? Why? So Giants co-owner John Mara. Might have perfectly summed up the Colin Kaepernick situation, pretty much saying uh, the same thing we did a couple weeks ago when we talked about this. He quote unquote said, all my years being in the league, I never received more emotional mail from people than I did about that issue. If any of your players ever do that, we are never coming to another Giants game. It wasn't one or two letters. It was a lot. It's an emotional, emotional issue for a lot of people more so than any other issue I've run into, end quote. And John Mara told this to the Monday morning quarterback. Uh, I agree kind of with everything he had to say. Now, I saw some backlash from other NFL analysts and hosts saying this was hypocritical because you and I actually were doing a show, Sports Zone, together on NTTV, and we had to carry the John Brown topic. Yeah, John so Brown, the Giants kicker, and how he verbally and had domestic violence issues with his wife. Well, physically and verbally. Yes. Giants kicker puts his hands on his wife. You know, you know how it goes. We get the voice call. No, we kind of know I, what's I happening. Don't, I don't know how it goes, Eric. Don't oh. don't put that out there. Please. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, and uh, Jesus Christ. no, but I'm just saying it, it happened, and they got the audio for it of the the 911 call. So it's clear that it actually happened. There's no like. Misconception. I'm pretty sure he like admitted to it as well. Yes. And the Giants backed him on it and said we're gonna keep him on our team and all this jazz. And it's like, okay, so you're gonna keep this kicker who's putting his hands on his wife, but you're you can't 
you, you can't fathom having the guy who just knelt and had a peaceful protest, which I get. There's it's just there's a lot of mix and matching going on here. There's a lot of things going on. But for you to be a guy who's going to keep a, a domestic violence uh, abuser on your team, but you but you can't have Kaepernick on your team, you sound like a schmuck. You do. And I can understand why people are bothered. It's hypocritical. And in that line, you and I, let's say, we when we do, we do pre-show prep, but you and I don't say, okay, which side are you taking in an equation? That's not what we're about. If we can disagree on a topic, that's great. We'll do that. But it's not like we predetermined. You know, you've got the first takes and the undisputed, those kind of debate shows. Because Americans, we love debate. We love to argue. We love disagreement. It, it boosts ratings. That's what people want to tune in for, right? So those shows... You're going to have, all right, Skip and Shannon or Stephen A. and whoever the hell he's with, Max Kellerman now, whatever it is. They're going to pre-show, talk about what topics and which side they're taking. So you've got Skip that's going to say, okay, I'm going to agree with John Mara. And then Shannon's going to say, all right, well, I I think that that's a hypocritical statement. So the first thing you're going to go to is, all right, well, here's what a similar kind of event, something that is people are going to be up in arms about. Domestic violence is a big issue, and that's been a big thing in the NFL now for the last few years, really ever since the Ray Rice thing. Domestic violence has just kind of clouded the NFL. So you deal with the John Brown situation. The Giants came out at first in support of John Brown and then ended up, once the tapes got released, they said, all right, enough of this, and they cut him. Now, you're going to look at that in a vacuum, and you're going to say that was then, and yes, that's hypocritical. That's a good argument. You're trying to build your argument, make your point, and if I'm arguing against his comments and saying that's hypocritical, sure, you're right. But is it un... Can you not say that the Giants learned from that, right? Let's say that they grew from that. And John Mara saw the backlash that they got from the John Brown situation, and all he's doing is speaking the truth. I don't think there's anything wrong with his comments. I think think they're 100% true. I think he's saying everything that all the other owners and general managers across the NFL are thinking. And if you're not just a, a completely clueless fan, you probably know that. Teams don't want to sign Colin Kaepernick because of the potential backlash. It's just kind of common sense. So the Giants dealt with a situation with a player. They got backlash from it, and they don't want to add in another one. Can you not learn and grow from that as an organization? I think the Giants did. They have, and I'm not going to knock him and say that that's hypocritical because they handled John Brown that way, and now they're not going to give Colin Kaepernick a chance. That's just... I think I don't like how we have to be so narrow-minded and look at situations in a vacuum like that and not just step away and look big picture at certain things and, and try and take each individual's viewpoint inside and crucify someone for making comments that at the end of the day, people, they're just honest and from the heart. And I think people should be able to speak more freely. And it annoys me when you have GMs and owners that speak like this and then they just get ripped apart in the media for it. Because I don't think it's fair. Well, it's not the comments in a nutshell, in a vacuum, like you said, of these these Kaepernick comments. He's just stating a fact of, I, I got more letters than I ever have. So that's really more an indictment on NFL fans and uh, Giants fans, I guess, in particular, talking about, hey, listen, so you're okay? You weren't sending really any letters to the owner whenever they were keeping a guy, uh, a domestic violence abuser on their team? But now you're sending a guy who's not even on their team. They're sending emails and letters to the Giants owner wanting to prevent him to be on the team in Kaepernick. I mean, that's really where the indictment falls mostly uh, with these comments is because that just means that Giants fans didn't care or didn't care as much about John Brown staying on the team as they did as maybe Colin Kaepernick coming on the team when I think you can 
I think it's pretty easy to decide who's more of a bleep hole in this situation, and that's John Brown over Colin Kaepernick. I mean, come on. Oh, definitely. So, oh, I couldn't agree more. So with that's that. so. Certainly, so the certainly. Giants are. So the Giants fans are are kind of the ones in in the wrong that way, and then also the Giants in the first place for keeping him on the team, John Brown. That's 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 their fault. But these specific comments about Kaepernick, whatever, that's just the Giants owner saying, listen, this is the truth. I get more letters about this than I did anything else. It's just a shame that that's the truth, and it's also a shame that they are willing to keep him on the team, but they 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 wouldn't look at. A guy like Kaepernick. Not that Kaepernick would even be a good destination for them because they got their, it's not even, you know, they're not even the point. But still, that they wouldn't look at him because of that, but they'll but they'll hang on to John Brown. It's a little fishy. Or it's a little just kind of hypocritical, I guess. It is hypocritical. But uh, they're two different situations. And yeah, I, look, I, I agree with you completely. I think the point that you brought up about it's more on the fans. It's more on... The people that are writing these letters. Well, it's initially it's initially on the Giants because you're keeping this guy. So talking about John Brown a year ago, well, you they, decided they to keep him on your him. team. They did cut him. They did. They released him about a week afterwards. Whatever it was, they backed him and they brought him back. They Either did back way, him at first, and then they released him. Yes. Okay. So I, I don't. I'm know. not trying to defend them. Look, sure. I, I no, hate I respect the it. Yeah. No, I re- I respect it. I'm just saying. Come on. You know. Yeah. John Brown. I get what you mean. Give me a break. But it's like, come, um, yeah. For sure, but I have but no yes. problems with his his comments in general, and and the Giants fans as well are sending more letters for that than they did to about the domestic violence guy they had on their team. You know that's a little disturbing as well, and that just speaks to I don't even want to single out Giants fans because that would probably be fans across the nation, and that's just a shame. Yeah, you're right. New York is uh, a huge market now. Not everybody in New York is a Giants fan. The Jets are people too. They've well, got their fans, right? The Jeets. The Jets? Oh, yeah, you hate the Jets. I hate them, maybe. Those Finns and Jets, uh, those rivalries. Man, they had uh, NFL Classic Games comes on real late nights when I'm working my overnight shifts. I'm able to watch a couple. And to me, as a kid growing up, the Monday night games that always stuck out to me, there were two. There was the Antonio Freeman catch, Packers-Vikings. Oh, yeah. And that game was on, and I got to watch it in full. And damn, that Vikings team was so good. Oh, dude, it's it's a shame they never won. Unbelievable! How awesome would that Vikings Broncos Super Bowl have been? It would have been amazing. Oh, it, it would have been, been awesome. It would have been amazing, man. They were, I mean, they were potentially they might have been they were before the Rams of the greatest show on turf. Yes, they, they were right before. So the they Rams. were kind of like the greatest show on turf before the greatest show on turf. Yeah, they were. Because you talk about Carter and Moss, you can stop there. Two Hall of Fame receivers. That's phenomenal. And then quarterbacks, obviously. And Rod Smith. Yeah. At running back, he was something special. But the other Monday night game is that comeback, the Dolphins-Jets. Yes. Oh, uh, my god. Classic. That was amazing. Really, really Miracle in the Meadowlands. Oh. Well, we'll Dan the that. Man, fake spike. It was. Was that the, was that the fake oh, spike? Oh, well, are you, t- are you talking, talking about, about the, the Monday jo- Oh, you're the talking Monday about nighter. the... Uh, I think the, the, the Jets didn't come... Did the Jets come back and win that one? Yes. Uh, so as a Dolphins fan, that one's bitter for you. Yes, I don't the like to think about that all, one. The, the Jets, Dolphins have just had so many fun games. Yes, over they've the also years. had so many god awful games. It was they've like looking bad. at it was looking at a sewage on your on your television screen for three hours. It's been terrible as well. Uh, we'll move on from sewage, which uh, kind of reminds me of the NBA season. Is that fair? Yes, that is fair. Yeah, it's just been a, a stinky bowl of poo this year. Yes, but now again, we've come to the pot of gold. We have arrived. We are just hours, I guess, 48 hours away from the moment. Yes, we are. 
and I'm very excited about it. It's the NBA Finals. It's the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. By the way, you're listening to Noseplate Seeds Podcast. Zach Wolchuk, Eric Chiafalo, producer Bab. But as we move now into our NBA Finals preview, I guess, if you will, this is kind of a preview. We've We've been waiting for this. We've talked about it all year long on the show. I've been outspoken. I don't care about basketball. I think it's a watered-down product. I didn't care about it until the finals. But when the finals come, I will be geeked. The finals are here. And to break it all down with us is our very own NBA insider, the great Kennedy Miller, also known as LeBron James' cousin, one of the biggest LeBron James fans around. Yes, sir. How's it going? Kennedy! Can you hear us? Yes, sir. I can. My man. How are you, brother? I'm pretty good. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. I don't know. I'm looking at Walchick, and Walchick cannot hear. Walchick can't hear anything. So I don't know what's going on. We're we're doing an awkward recording setup where Bab's in the other room because we've just had an issue. And now I don't think anybody can. I don't even know if Bab can hear you. Can, oh, I can hear him. Oh, Bab can hear. Wolchuk okay. can't hear him. Wolchuk, Wolchuk cannot hear. All right, this is just guys, this is just can phenomenal. Can you guys hear me now? Oh, I can I can hear you. I can hear you. But Wolchuk, something's going on on our end because me and Bab and I can hear you, and now this is just this is just a nightmare. I apologize to you, Kennedy. Well, Kennedy, I can't hear you, but uh, I still can just imagine how sexy you're sounding right now, and I hope that this interview is much better than the last time we had you on because you sounded completely uninterested and I won't be able to hear your response but we'll see what happens well no this is a problem Kennedy because last time remember you were in the bathroom you're like on the speakerphone you had a lot of things going on and now this time you're calling into the show and and we're having issues on our end and now this is just a total debacle I have Bab got out of the producer studio he's coming here he's trying to figure it out and we have no idea what's going on I mean we are this is we are completely disoriented right now Kennedy it's okay guys it's okay it's a it's a Tuesday in the middle of the week. The finals are two days away. We've all been waiting a week for it. I completely understand. All right, I think we got everything under control now. Thank you for that, by the way. You're making me feel better. And it, it turns out I think it was my fault. So uh, that's good. I can hear you now, Kennedy. How's it going, buddy? It's great. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing well. How are you? You're in uh, Houston, right? Good old H-Town. Yes, sir. The best city in Texas. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come Woo! on now. Come out, on now. Out in Babs neck of the woods. Just saying, just saying. Bab knows, he knows. So, what are you doing out in Houston? Hanging out at V Live? Well, uh, whoa. Uh, let's not say that yeah. on radio air, okay? <laughs> all right, so, yeah, all right. That's my bad. My bad. I'm working. I'm working a summer camp, coaching some kids on an AAU basketball team. So, uh, giving back. I love staying, it. Staying home, getting some good home cooking. Oh, so that's where you're from? Yes. Yes, I am. Wait, so are you a, are you a, so wait, so you are a Cavs fan, LeBron fan. You are not a Houston Rockets fan, James Harden fan. No, James Harden actually impressed me this year until his last game debacle. I don't know what that was, but he actually kind of rose on the radar throughout the regular season of being one of my favorite players. So, uh, after that last loss, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, that was not a good look. That was not a good look for your boys, even though I guess the Rockets are not your boys. Your boys are the Cleveland Cavaliers, and your boys are officially 48 hours away from the NBA Finals. How are you feeling right now? Because I know you, you, you talk about we when you talk about the Cavs. You are a part of that team emotionally and spiritually. How are you feeling 48 hours to tip off? I'm feeling great. 
and I'm also feeling nervous. I don't know how I feel. This whole year I've been prepared for this playoff series. I kid you guys not, every night I'll lay down, and before I go to sleep, I think about how the Cavs can beat the Warriors. Like, what advantage do they have? And so it's 48 hours away, like you said, and, you know, I'm just nervous, but at the same time I'm excited because we're finally going to get a series that will go more than five games. Yeah, I'm thrilled about that. Overall, what were your feelings on this NBA playoffs? I know well, last time we had John was leading into it, and you told us watch out for the Utah Jazz, and they didn't make it out of the first round or the second round. And it, it to me it was a very boring playoffs as a whole, as I expected. But the payoff is now. You've got Golden State and you've got Cleveland, and we're excited for that. But as a whole. Were the finals a disappointment for you being a hardcore basketball fan? I mean the playoffs. The uh, the playoffs, excuse me, yes. Well, I would say that it was kind of a disappointment, like you said, how the outcomes came out. But it was, you know, two juggernauts going up against both conferences. And I would like to add that a lot of the teams that they played had injured players that did not play for the other teams. Golden State played against Portland, who lost. Yusuf Nurkic, who was one of the big reasons why they made the playoffs anyway, and he broke his leg a couple of weeks before they uh, played in the playoffs. He tried to make a comeback. It didn't work. Um, then they end up playing against the Utah Jazz, who I you know, said I loved during the regular season, and George Hill messed up his toe, got hurt. Before that, Blake Griffin messed up his toe for the Clippers when you know maybe you thought that the Clippers can make some noise this year. And then there's the intentional, non-intentional hurt on Kawhi Leonard by Zaza Pachulia. Did he do yeah, it or I'm did glad he not you do brought it? That up. I'm one of the people that think he did do it. You do? You think he did? I do. I think he did do it. Really? Yes. Why? I, I just, I think that, you know, they were down by 20. I think Zaza's a guy that, you know, like Popovich said, has a reputation for things like that. He, he had a, he did a very good contest contesting the first shot, well, contesting it the first time, and then he slid his foot under again, knowingly that Kawhi Leonard had just stepped on his teammate's ankle to play before, and he had already had a tweaked ankle going in. It's a lot of coincidences, and then his just sudden reaction like, oh, that's a foul, I didn't, you know, I, I don't buy it. I think he did it. Um, you know, it's over now. I'm not going to go into what-if scenarios would have happened, but, you know, and then on Cleveland side, Isaiah Thomas gets hurt. Kyle Lowry's hurt, and, you know, some people say they dodged the bullet not playing in the heat of the bullet. Kennedy Miller here joining us on the Nosebleed Seeds podcast. Kennedy, uh, you talked about just a second ago, you've been staying up all night just thinking, what does Cleveland have to do to be Golden State? And last year, they get down 3-1. They have the improbable comeback. LeBron just goes ape crazy, dominates the world. You've got Kyrie being the Batman to his or really they were both Batmans. There's two Batmans out there just doing their thing. It was like the Justice League with Batman and Superman, although I hate Superman, so I don't know, the Flash, Green Lantern, oh, wow. whatever you want to do. Man, we'll get into Superman another day. But you add KD into the mix to Golden State, and you've got two teams that were so even last year. Now you add another former MVP to the Warriors. Do you think that really tilts the favor in the Warriors' hands, or, or, or does Cleveland still have just as good a chance as they ever did? Well, on paper, it, it tilts it, but, you know, when when the ball hits the court, then you really see what, what it's about because both teams have improved since last year. 
the Warriors got Kevin Durant after they lost, you know, and then, you know, after they get Kevin Durant, they give up Andrew Bogut, Harrison Barnes, Leandro Barbosa, Brandon Rush. All these guys played finals minutes. This is Zeely. They let five rotation guys go. And so they replaced them with Kevin Durant, JaVale McGee, David West, Zaza Pachulia. <clears throat> and then on Cleveland's end, they add more shooting, more veteran presence. Darren Williams, Kyle Korver. You still got Richard Jefferson. And so, you know, both teams have gotten better. And so now we'll see who has it. I, I would still say that Cleveland has it when the, when the ball hits the court because they are still the defending champions. And I think that they somewhat – they play Golden State better than anybody else in the league. And Golden State knows that as well. Do you? Th- what do you think um... – Crap, I, I totally just had a brain fart there for a second. But in terms of like where LeBron, who LeBron guards, because there's so many options that Golden State presents you if you're the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, even though Tyron Lue thinks that it's tougher to guard the Celtics. Uh, what does LeBron do defensively? Does he, does he just man up on Durant? Or is he going to be floating around just playing a bunch of different guys? Or how do you see that playing out? Well, that's actually a very good question. I think it's, tough because in the earlier playoff rounds you could hide LeBron if they had a star player and then if push comes to shove in the fourth quarter then you put LeBron on that guy but I don't know who you stick LeBron on early to kind of keep him from um, you know being tired in the fourth quarter if not Kevin Durant if you put him on Draymond Green that's forcing Kevin Love to guard Kevin Durant and I'm taking the latter, Kevin, in that situation. And then if you put him on Clay Thompson, then, you know, he's basically running through screens. Now, it would be an easier defensive matchup, but you never want your star player running through a lot of screens, tiring his legs up for the fourth quarter. And if you put him on Zaza Pachulia, then it's just a very confusing cross match. So it'll be interesting to see how Tyron Lue, you know, staggers the lineup, staggers the defensive rotation to guard such a – a deadly offensive team that Golden State is. You you brought up Tyron Lue, which actually made me think of a second question. So I've got two questions. The first one, does LeBron James, do you think LeBron James is in Kevin Durant's head? I feel like throughout their career, LeBron has always had the upper hand in terms of being victorious over a KD team going back to the finals with uh, Miami and Oklahoma City. And then the second question being, you talked about the chess match between the head coaches, Tyron Lue, Steve Kerr's health, he's not sure how much of a factor he's going to be in this final series. Puts a lot of pressure on Mike Brown, who I guess does know LeBron James pretty well with his days of coaching him in Cleveland. The absence of Steve Kerr, how much of an impact do you think that that will have also in the series? Well, to answer your first question, LeBron James, you know, I think that he's in a lot of their heads and a lot of the Golden State Warriors heads because you have to, they were up 3-1 last year. And, you know, the two games in the regular season, Golden State had beat them. They really thought that they had Cleveland's number after people were thinking it was a fluke. And, um, you know, he comes out, and him and Kyrie Irving, they both come out, and they just they come back. And they, you know, you can just tell the psyche of the Warriors change from the first loss back in Cleveland to the game, well, excuse me, the game five loss in Golden State and then the loss in Cleveland and then back in Golden State. By game seven, they just looked deflated. And they only scored like 89 points in the final. That was a historically great 
offensive team by the numbers, and Cleveland held them to 89 points. And so, you know, he's got – I think he has a mental edge on Kevin Durant, and I think he has it on the rest of the Warriors. And so, to, for your next question, for Tyron Lue, which I do think he was right about his comment, Eric, about Ooh. the Celtics being harder to guard. Oh, you're going to have to explain yourself on that one. And I, I, I say it in the context that he was saying that now that Isaiah Thomas is hurt, Brad Stevens is, you know, a, he's like playing chess out there with his offensive pieces, and everybody on that team was a threat to score. Not saying that everybody on Golden State isn't a threat to score as well, but Brad Stevens can draw plays where everybody's a problem. And now that Isaiah Thomas was hurt, you don't know what they're going to throw because most of the plays were geared for Isaiah Thomas to have the ball. And so now that he's hurt, you have Marcus Smart who started knocking down jumpers. Avery Bradley was showing up. Al Horford was showing up. And so Golden State, he was basically saying that I, I got the impression that we played Golden State two years in a row in the finals. We basically know what they run. Can we stop it? No. But do we know what they run? Yes, we know what they run. We know their sets. We know where they want the ball. But they're all-time great players, and you're just not going to stop that. All right, well, you alluded to the depth of each team, and both of them, well, especially the Cavs, have gotten added to their depth compared to the last couple of years that they've gone into the finals. But who do you think, uh, who do you think has the edge depth-wise? Which coach can go deeper into their bench and still feel confident? Well, I think Cleveland can go deeper in their bench. I think Golden State has a better starting five. But I think Cleveland, with the shooters that they have, Kyle Korver, the backup point guard, Darren Williams, who's once an all-star, if Sean Livingston and Iguodala, if is not 100% healthy, he's going to have his hands full guarding LeBron James. But I think that, you know, the JaVale McGee is coming off the bench. I think he'll be neutralized by Tristan Thompson. And so I think Richard Jefferson still has a little bit of juice left in the tank to provide some perimeter defense, maybe play a small ball four, and, you know, give them some problems. The only bench player on Golden State I'm worried about is Sean Livingston. Iguodala had a sore knee last series, I think, and he sat out one game. And so if he's 100%, Iguodala is also a problem as well. But I think Sean Livingston, being the six-foot-eight point guard, he's just a mismatch when he comes on the court. He posts other point guards up, gets into the mid-range game, and every time he shoots, he, like, flicks his head back so it looks like a foul. And so most of the time he gets those and ones that just pump the crowd and go to state up. All right, well, turning away from the finals just for a second here, uh, what do you know about Chris Paul potentially going to the Spurs? And uh, what do you, like, what do you make of it? Do you, how, how likely do you see that happening? If he wants a ring, he better go to San Antonio. If he wants the money and the State Farm commercials and all of that stuff with DeAndre Jordan, Stay with the Clippers if you like. But he knows what it takes to get a ring, and it's not in L.A. San Antonio gives him his best shot to get a championship. Now, San Antonio would have to give up key pieces like Patty Mills, uh, maybe Danny Green. Jonathan Simmons is probably going to get paid a lot of money by some team. So they're going to have to give up a lot of assets that they have coming off the bench or role players to get Chris Paul. But a big three of Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, and LaMarcus Aldridge, who I think Chris Paul would do wonders for because that guy still looks like he's playing in Portland. I don't, I don't even want to call him a San Antonio Spur right now. Well, okay. if, I'm sorry, go ahead. If Chris Paul were to go to the Spurs, you know, that, that puts them in a title contention with the Warriors, depending on 
who else they can navigate and get through free agency. But we know that Greg Popovich can take, you know, a Danny Green, who was like 11th or 12th man on the Cavaliers roster with LeBron James, and make him into a, a serviceable 3 and D role player. Uh, with the Clippers, for instance, let's say they lose for Spall. Don't is it time to blow it up? I think it's time for the Clippers to kind of restart here. They haven't been able to get past the semifinal round, and you got Blake Griffin's a free agent. If you pay Chris Paul, what is Chris Paul now? Thirty-two. He's yes. he's getting up there, and you're going to give him a max deal for five years, two hundred plus million dollars. I think by year three, for sure, of that contract, they're going to be wanting to get out of that because I don't think Chris Paul's got more than two to three years of extremely high-level basketball before father time is going to catch up to him. And he's already got a bunch of injury issues in his history, along with Blake Griffin. I mean, do you think it's in the Clippers' best interest for their long-term future to re-sign both of those guys? Now, we'll make it clear that Chris Paul is the most important player on the Clippers, and if anybody does deserve a max, it's him. However... Considering the circumstances that the Clippers have had, injuries year after year, blowing a 3-1 lead to the Rockets in the semifinals, all of these things, I just don't think it, it I don't think it's ever going to work. I think their window to win has closed, and I think it was open when they beat the Spurs in the first round and blew that 3-1 lead and lost to the Rockets. I think that's when their window closed because Golden State did nothing but get better. San Antonio has remained the same and actually got better because Kawhi Leonard has evolved into a superstar instead of a star, and they've got LaMarcus Aldridge. And so the Clippers are just basically falling out of relevancy. You know, they, they're a team that's always had the talent but can never put it together. And like this year, Blake Griffin messes up his toe, his big toe, and that puts him out of the series. So, I mean, at this point, I think the Clippers are just – always going to be second to the Lakers because even at the Lakers' worst and even at the Clippers' best, they're still a second-round team at the most, whereas when the Lakers are at the top, it's championship or bust. Is Nerlens Noel a max player? Because we're, we're hearing reports that he's going to be getting, he's going to be receiving some max offers. If you're the Mavericks, do you pull the trigger on that? I think you have to. You've heard the reports. I've heard the reports. So we know that they've heard the reports. We may not think it. But Nerlens Noel is a max player for his ability to do what they want bigs in the NBA to do. He can't shoot the three ball. He can't space the floor, but he protects the rim. And he's young. He's had some knee problems, but potential, he's got, you know, one of the highest ceilings of any young big in the NBA. And so it was almost a steal when the Mavericks, you know, pried him away from Philadelphia. So I think... If you, you trade that, then you have, to, you have to sign him to the max deal. I think they traded him knowing that, hey, we can re-sign this guy and keep him for the long term. I'm with you. All right, back to the finals here. Which individual, you could go player or coach or whatever, has the most pressure on him going into this? Steph Curry, hands down. Really? Steph Curry and, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Okay. More than I LeBron? Think, yes, I think more than LeBron. Because... People will say if LeBron loses, look at the team he's played. But if the Warriors lose, and if they lose with either Steph Curry or Kevin Durant playing bad, then this will be the third straight finals that Steph Curry's played bad. The two-time MVP, last time he won it, it was unanimous. And you play three straight finals bad, he's going to be labeled not a big-time player. He's going to be labeled afraid of the big moment. 
They're going to say Kyrie Irving is better than him. People already, you know, some people say that Kyrie Irving is better than him. And I think Kyrie Irving is the mental, the, you know, the, he has the strongest mental capacity in this game. I think that he's got the toughest will, the Kobe mentality to keep shooting. I think he's the one that will be a true X factor for the Cavaliers. And so if Steph Curry gets outplayed by him again and the Cavaliers win, then people are going to say, well, this guy's just a regular season guy. He's just a guy that fans like to see. But when, when, when the truth comes out, he doesn't play well. And for Kevin Durant, if he loses, you know, he, it's yeah, going to be a lot of criticism, uh, almost the same as LeBron James when, you know, when he lost to the Mavericks. Because if he doesn't play well, like I said, like Steph Curry did, then, I mean, he's just going to get crucified because how can you not play well? You're seven foot, you can handle the ball, you can average 30 in your sleep. So if he doesn't play up to his standards, it's going to be bad. And I think the pressure is all on Golden State. Yeah, I completely agree with that. When you add Kevin Durant, to a team that broke the record for most wins last year, you're expected to go and win the finals. And on the counter to that, we know your boys, LeBron James, seven straight NBA finals appearances for LeBron come June. It's just kind of like, it's the finals. Let's go watch LeBron. It's become synonymous now. What would a win do? We've already hyped up and all the pressure is on Golden State. They're the favorites. They've got the best team on paper. If LeBron defeats Golden State, back-to-back years with this Cleveland bunch, and now he adds another ring to his trophy case, what does that say for the Kings legacy? And by the way, just throwing this out before I truly answer the question, another reason the pressure is on, Golden State went 12-0 this playoffs. And so, you know, 12-0 and and then you lose four out of seven, that's really tough. And it would actually help LeBron James' legacy. And I said this last year on July 4th when Kevin Durant signed with the Golden State Warriors. I said, if he beats this team that's added another MVP to their team already with a two-time MVP, and they won 73 games without him, if he beats this team, he might be the greatest player of all time. You think that he will be able to surpass Michael Jordan? Because I'm on record on the show saying, as much as I love LeBron, I don't quite think there's anything he can do to ever jump over the shadow of Jordan. And so, ever since he passed Michael Jordan up in points in the playoffs, I've had this discussion with a lot of people. You know, they say, well, Mike did it in, you know, a hundred fewer games. LeBron did it in a hundred fewer shots. And so at some point, LeBron's resume is going to be screaming that you can't deny Michael Jordan went six for six. But if LeBron goes to like 10 straight finals and wins one out of every two, he's going to be like eight for 11. You know, he's going to have like five, six. It's just going to keep adding up, and then you're just going to say, okay, at, at some point, how can, I, how can I not look at this guy as being the greatest of all time? Because the, the argument is now, Michael Jordan didn't play the competition that LeBron James did. If you look at Michael Jordan's six rings, the first one came against the Lakers, who were old. Kareem wasn't on the team anymore. I think Magic was hurting the series. Played a Portland team with Clyde Drexler that just their best player wilted under Michael Jordan. I've told you guys that story about Clyde after that. Um, the Phoenix Suns with Charles Barkley, I think he said God told him they were going to win that series and they didn't come close. Uh, then you have the Supersonics, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. Okay, that's okay. Then you have the Utah Jazz, Carl Malone and John Stockton, who he beat twice. 
If LeBron beats this team, he will have beaten the Oklahoma City Thunder, who were young, yet had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. All three guys are probably going to be Hall of Famers. And Derek Fisher as a role player, who should be a Hall of Famer. Then he beat the San Antonio Spurs, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, young Kawhi Leonard. Then he beat Golden State last year, a 73-win team. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. And if he beats them this year, you add Kevin Durant in there. Michael Jordan never beat those type of teams. And by the way, after Michael Jordan won three championships, he retired, citing fatigue, emotional, physical. LeBron has never stopped and is on pace to beat, you know, three more maybe. That's an interesting debate. Uh, I, there's a lot of rumors as to why MJ really did step away, whether some gambling had something to do with that. And it was, I, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it, but it certainly is a, a valid argument. I think I also saw something how LeBron's never lost in the first round and nope. Michael Jordan lost in the first round. I think it was twice. And, you know, here's the thing. People keep telling me, and I, I hate hearing this. LeBron's not playing anybody. The East is terrible. Yada, yada, yada. And so, if you look through LeBron's career, he's almost destroyed half of the Eastern Conference team. And if he didn't personally destroy them, his presence impacted their decision. Start off with the Washington Wizards, his first rivalry in the mid-2000s. They thought they were the big brother. They thought they could beat him. He beat him three straight times. Coach gets fired. Gilbert Arenas gets into it, brings a gun or whatever happened in Washington. That team blows up. Then the Celtics unite. They beat him twice. He goes to Miami. They beat him, and they probably should have went to another final. But LeBron James beats him, I think, two times. Ray Allen goes to Boston. Doc Rivers gets traded. They trade Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. The Indiana Pacers hold the number one record in the East, have the number one defense, have a, has an MVP candidate in Paul George, has the leader in triple-doubles that year in Lance Stevenson. LeBron beats him in six. LeBron beats him in seven. Lance Stevenson leaves. Coach gets fired a year later. Paul George is upset. Roy Hibbert leaves. Chicago Bulls, youngest MVP ever, Derrick Rose. Number one defense, number one seed. They're not even relevant anymore because LeBron made such quick work of them that nobody even thinks of them anymore. The Detroit Pistons, LeBron in 2007, scored 29 of the last 30 points in Detroit. Beat them. They probably should have went to the finals that year. Chauncey Billis gets traded the next year. Detroit blows up. He's destroyed all of the competition in the East, and now we've gotten to the point, who wants to go there? Who wants to be in the Eastern Conference Finals every year and meet up with LeBron James? Yeah, well, it brings me to... <laughs> he's literally he's a transformer yeah, no, just he running is. through the Eastern Conference is what he is. He's by far been the Goliath individual player of this generation, no doubt. And i got to go back and research some of uh, Jordan's successes in in uh, his career in the postseason to be able to have a counter-argument in terms of the whole Le- LeBron-Jordan debate. But in terms of the East now... Boston made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think you and I both agree Brad Stevens is one hell of a coach, maybe the best young coach in the league right now. What yes. what does Boston need to do this offseason to maybe become more competitive? Because right now they're probably built to where they can be the second team to contend with Cleveland. They've got the number one pick. I think they've, they've got two top ten picks. They're in position now where they can do something 
You've got the rumors of Hayward out there, Paul George out there. What is it that Boston needs to do to maybe get into the discussion that they could break through in the East? Well, they need to do what they should have done at the trade deadline, and that's trade the number one pick. Here's the thing. When you draft a guy with a number one pick, he's not going to immediately come in and impact your team. You drafted Jalen Brown with a number three pick. He, he, had, he did a pretty good job this year. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad either, but he wasn't great. So drafting another young guy with the number one pick, that's going to help you beat LeBron James? I think not. It shows that, for one, whoever one of the top two picks is not going to be great. Usually one, of the, one out of those top two picks is great, and one was just serviceable or a bust. And I, for one, think Lonzo Ball is the one that's going to be great. So I don't know about Markel Fultz. You're not a false believer? Who do, who do you think should go number one in this draft? Are you a false or a ball guy? Or, I, or maybe like somebody else? You like who? Sorry? I like Lonzo Ball. I think he should go to L.A. I think he should be right where he needs to be. I think Markel Fultz would be good, but he's not going to be what it takes to beat LeBron James. And, you know, it shows that, you know, rookies aren't ready for that big moment anyway. It takes them like that third or fourth year to finally take that step and say, I'm either a star, superstar, role player, whatever. Jimmy Butler, then turned on until his fourth year. Kawhi Leonard, then turned on until his fourth year. Paul George, he kind of accelerated early because he was on a really good team, but now we really know what Paul George is. Same thing with Gordon Hayward. So why not trade the pick for a guy that's ready now instead of a guy that you're going to have to wait for four years? That Celtic team might be completely different. Isaiah Thomas is 29 years old, and frankly, he might have just had his best season of his career because I don't know – how well his game will translate long-term, especially on the wrong side of 30. Same thing with Al Horford, who's over 30 as well. So your best two players are about to be 30 or either over 30, and now you're about to draft a guy number one who won't be spectacular until his third or fourth year. I don't understand it. Kennedy Miller on Nosebleed Seeds. Thank you for joining us, Kennedy. All right, I got one more question for you. Uh, I think Walter's probably got one more as well. But for me, I just want you to take us back into those moments, into those nights when you're laying in your bed, you're thinking it's getting it's hot and heavy, calves, dreaming, daydreaming, night dreaming. You're in your bed. What, what are you wearing? Uh, either I have on these pajamas that are smiley face or either I'm just wearing some basketball shorts. Love it. No LeBron jersey, are they, though. Are they footy pajamas? No, they're not footies. But I've thought about getting some. And if the Cavaliers win, I might get some Cavaliers. Hey, Highly recommend it, man. Yeah, Highly recommend it. It's nice. It's nice on the toes. Yes, sir. You know it. All right, Kennedy, before we let you go here, last question I got. And it's it's a tough one because, honestly, I don't even have an answer if somebody were to ask me this. But I know you've done your homework. If uh, you've got to make a pick unbiasedly, what do you think the result will be when it's all said and done in a couple weeks and uh, the finals are over? This matters. We're holding you to this. This really matters. Cavs in six. Cavs in Ooh, six. Wow, with confidence, man. Here's the thing. The confidence level relies on the confidence of Kevin Love because Kevin Love said a couple of days ago they're going to see us Thursday. When he was asked about Draymond Green comments about wanting to annihilate the Cavaliers, usually LeBron James or Kyrie Irving or one of the vets will say that. But for Kevin Love to say that, and for the way that he's played these past couple of rounds, if he becomes a threat, that's a threat that Golden State hasn't had to worry about two years in a row. If Kevin Love can knock down threes consistently, 
if Kevin Love can impact the game, not just on the boards, but with scoring, that's going to be really, really difficult for Golden State to stop. Kennedy Miller believes in love, you everybody. You think uh, Kevin you Love wins MVP? First. No, I don't think he wins MVP. That goes to the king. Okay, that goes to the king at the end of the day. Still, LeBron, uh, hell, I don't disagree with you. The Cavs win in six, my gosh. No, but do you believe in love or not? Do you believe in love after love? I don't know if the Warriors know, but love can hurt. I love love. I love hard. <laughs> <laughs> Kennedy Miller, thank you so much for being on with us, man. You're, Kennedy, you're thank a joy. You, we love you, man. We were terrible this time, but you really bounced back with a grade A effort. Hell, you brought us up this time, baby. You guys are always great. Well, we appreciate you. Good luck to you and your Cavs. We'll definitely be checking in with you. Maybe we can check in with you next week, uh, see what your confidence meter is. We'll probably be going into, like, game three at that point. Just give me a call. As long as we're not down 2 or 3-0, I'll be perfectly fine. All right, wonderful, man. Well, Sounds good luck good. to you. Take we're going to give man. you a kiss on your way out. Kisses, baby. All right. I, I could have swore Kennedy was going to be telling me that he was at least in his in his undies or something. Well, I'm sure right? he had the the lotion and the tissues right next to him. Was that too far? Uh, it was. Yeah, there's there's well, right mean, at that line. If, and you were right there. They're winning in six in his dreams, man. I know that's that's gonna, true. That's the get yeah. off. They're going to get off. Baby. Well, he's going to be he's going to be changing his sheets all week long. <laughs> if, they, if the Cavs win game one for sure, and if they come out on top of this thing. Kennedy's going to do the same. On top. That's how we like it. That's how what I like. That's what I like. Oh, man. Kennedy Miller bringing his freaking A game there. NBA basketball knowledge. We're going to have to get a little. We're, him and Nick. I mean, Nepic. Yeah, Nepic sure is our Nick, other basketball guy. Well, he likes the draft. Sports. He's the draft. Guru. I know, but that's my thing, though, is because Kennedy Miller just went on record saying Lonzo Ball's the guy. He did. And it's a differing of opinions because Kennedy's, you know, the right now. He, he's all about. He's our NBA insider of the nows. And then Nick's like, I love college basketball, the draft, yeah. and believes in the youth. Kennedy's clearly like, I'm not screwing around with these lottery picks. I want a proven commodity where Nick's perspective will probably be like, no, I'm excited about these rookie young players and building for the future. So it's really just a different mentality of how you put together your teams. Yeah, and Nick is a Foltz guy. He's not as high on ball mm-hmm, You're right, as obviously Kennedy Miller is. So we may have to get in here for a little ball feud. A little ball feud. Man, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Balls flying everywhere. Add an S on there, baby. Woohoo! Nosebleed Seats Podcast. Zach Wolchuk, Eric Chiafalo, producer Bab just talked to Kennedy Miller about the NBA Finals. When we come back, I think we'll have a little let's get weird time with Wolchuk, but we're going to pause for a quick break to hear from our sponsor, good old Robert at the Diamond Broker. Hello, I'm Robert of the Diamond Broker. Over the past 30 years, many jewelry stores have come and gone, but we are still here. We are Dallas's original diamond broker, and our A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and a proven track record with thousands of satisfied customers sets us apart. The Diamond Broker has been the go-to source for loose diamonds, engagement rings, and special occasion jewelry. We were one of the first companies in DFW to offer diamonds directly from the cutters. With over $2 million in loose diamonds to choose from, the Diamond Broker is the most respected wholesale broker. 
because we guarantee the color, clarity, and cut of every diamond sold. We offer good old-fashioned value and service, no gimmicks and no hassles. When shopping for an engagement ring, a pre-owned Rolex, or special occasion diamonds, visit the Diamond Broker. Ask around. Someone you know has done business with us. The Diamond Broker, Dallas original Diamond Broker at Preston and Forest in Dallas or on the web at diamondbrokerdallas.com. My bad. Nosebleed Seats Podcast, Zach Wolchuk, alongside Eric Chiafalo, producer Bab on the Crocodillas over there, making sure we're uh, rolling. It's been a little bit of an off episode in terms of just getting everything together. Um, it's been difficult. I know the pressure has been put on Bab because we come in here and we think we're going to be rolling in one studio, then we've got to just find a way to rig it with duct tape and, and just piece it all together, but Bab continuously finds a way to do it. And he, we appreciate he always, it. He always stays composed and that's what we love about him the most. Cause we can kind of get a little, we can get a little freaky. We can get a little crazy. Bab always composed, always composed. Even there, I couldn't hear the intro music and I'm thinking, Oh, maybe Bab forgot it. And I just jumped on there a little early, but I, I shouldn't have, I should have just trusted my guy that he'd put it together. And he always does. He always comes through. It's all about that chemistry. It's about that chem, and uh, I think now it's time to maybe get a little weird. What do you think? Yes. Let's just get vaped out right now. I'm looking to get weird. That's weird, man. You guys ready to get weird tonight or what? Don't say weird shit. Time to get weird with Wolf Chuck, baby. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird, baby. It's time for a little. Let's get weird with Wolchuk here. You okay, okay over there? Damn it! It's the two. Gosh, I'm just screwing this up. <laughs> Eric doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it's do? those. Yes, it's those. Those are gonna. That's gonna be your return feed in your in your headphones, so you can hear everything a little bit better. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, it's just a rookie mistakes over here. I leave the studio for one week and the whole thing explodes. struggling. He's like, I can't. I'm not hearing things really well. I'm trying to pantomime. Hey, this is what you need to do. And then he's touching the wrong things. That's the I know. Did he he elbow your headset button again? No. No. It is safe to say that I have been terrible, especially terrible in this episode. It's okay. We're, uh, We're all coming together. On one big fat happy Thanksgiving Day turkey dinner stuffed with taters and all the goodness and golly goose you could expect. It's a loaded potato. All right, so what, what are we doing? Let's get weird. We want to get weird today. Okay, well, here we go. Let's get weird with Wolchuk. How about a Georgia couple in Georgia? Peach State. I got a burp coming. I'm trying to get it out. There it is. A Georgia couple. I was weak. Try, yeah, it was. But you know what? It was like a, a halfy. Uh, the, the semi went during the break, and I was able to get that. Whatever, dude. A Georgia couple drives for 14 miles, unaware of a drunk guy passed out on the trunk. On the car? On the trunk. On the trunk. So there's a picture. This guy is literally sprawled out. The trunk is not opened. It is closed. And he's literally just laying on top of the back end of the car on top of the truck. On top of the uh, trunk. And this is not a big car. This is a little tiny vehicle. Is he passed out? He's passed out. He's sleeping. Oh, my goodness. So a couple in Memphis, Georgia, got a huge surprise when police pulled them over and asked them why a man was lying on their car trunk during their 14-mile car ride. So in a quote, 
There's no way to describe it. It's unbelievable, said Carl Webb, who was the owner and driver of the car. Webb and his wife were leaving Barbecue Fest on Thursday night in downtown Memphis because you know that Memphis barbecue is the best, that dry rub. Mm-mm, get it. They had backed their car into a parking space at Carolina and Riverside. We came down the aisle, walked right into the car, opened it up on both sides, and then we got into the car. It was dark out, and Webb's sunshade was stuck up, so he couldn't see what was on his trunk. The officer came up and he said, Mr., are you aware there's a body on your trunk? And that did not register. He goes, Mr., I'm not messing with you. There's a body on your trunk. He's like, wait, I thought it was in my trunk. Like, what the hell are you talking about? How do you get out of there? I've been driving for 14 miles. I haven't noticed a damn thing. There's a human being on my trunk. So Carl Webb gets out of the truck. He walks around, and sure enough, there he was. Still hanging on, still unconscious, just lying there. That is insane. So he slept and he didn't fall off? That's what I was thinking. Like, he must have had a really good hold and grip. I'm like... Unconsciously. And I don't know. Maybe this he couldn't have been driving very fast, that right? That is crazy, though. I, I cannot imagine. I mean, I've had something. Have you ever put, like, uh, the little gas cap? You, you leave it on your bumper or something before they used to connect, before they connected them. Now they just connect them so you can just let it go and it just dangles there. So if you forget to put your uh, gas cap back on when you get gas in your car... Uh, you don't have to worry about it. But back in the day when they didn't have the string connected, you would put it maybe on your bumper and you forget you just shut the thing. You don't put the cap on. And I've seen people have it on their bumper and they make it all the way home. But to have a human being on the trunk of your car for 14 miles asleep, he's not even conscious enough to be like holding on. He's just asleep on the trunk. That is that is like some Ripley's Believe It or Not. That Insane. is all time insanity. Well, Mr. Carl Webb must be a smooth driver in his Ford Taurus. The end result was the man on the trunk was placed in police in a police cruiser, but there is no word if he was charged with the crime or not. And there is video of this. Um, now, there's no audio for it or else I would have pulled it. It's just kind of more of a describing what happened. But the article, courtesy of Black Sports Online, where you can find all kinds of good stuff. But yeah, I thought that was just outrageous. How in the world, one, are you driving and just unaware that there's a person sleeping on your trunk. I mean, would you not have seen him when you got into your car? I understand it's dark, but you can still kind of see what the hell is going on. Yeah, it's a weird situation, man. That is just crazy. It would have been really funny it was like, if the guy was like, oh, wait, I thought I had a guy in my trunk. How did he get out of the time? I duct taped him. He had his hands behind his back. We were driving. You said they were in the Arizona? They were in Georgia. Oh, they were in Georgia. Okay, so they weren't in the desert. So I was going to say, because you could make an argument. They had the guy strapped up in the trunk. They well, were I think they were out. actually in Memphis when this happened, but they were from Georgia. Like, they had driven to Memphis for this barbecue fest. Understandable. And they were driving back. Yeah. And <laughs> What a bad... Yeah. I mean, of all the things, would that be the very last thing you would expect when an officer pulls you over? Is that the last thing on the list? That, I would hey, have You have no a sleeping idea. human on your trunk, and you're unaware. Well, first, I'd be wondering, I mean, especially if I was doing the speed limit, ah, damn, maybe I got a headlight out or something. But when he says, are you aware there's a person on your car and what mm. I just don't think that there's any way realm of possibility that I would be unaware that there's a human being on my car I don't put it past anybody I, I where I marvel I marvel at the fact that there is a sleeping person on a moving vehicle for 14 miles and he didn't fall off the dang thing I can understand somebody getting out of a barbecue drunk on brisket 
and stumbling their way out to their car. It's dark out. They're not paying attention to the guys sleeping on their hood. I completely. It's it's bizarre. That's crazy. So I thought that was a pretty weird one. That's it. It takes talent to well, sleep on think? the car. Yeah, it's talented. Where, where does that rank on the weird story? Is that a good one or a bad one? I mean, that's it's pretty weird. I is mean, an okay one. It's pretty at good. Least, at least because I've never five. heard of anything like that. Like I'm baffled right. at the fact that that's even humanly right. possible. I wish there would have been. I wish there was some video evidence we could just see what happened. If we could just go back and watch all 14 miles of this guy. Were there any turns? Were there any sharp turns? Is he defying physics? If he's they're driving back to Georgia from Memphis, I bet there was one turn where they had to get on the highway, and then after that, it was just. Especially if you're and on the freaking highway. how does no other highway. car drive by and, and be like, like honking? Be like, like hey, Yo. you guys know you're driving with somebody on your car right Every, now? Everybody was just marveling. They couldn't believe it. Like, this guy's sleeping. He's literally, I can hear him snoring. And he's and he's not falling off. It's unbelievable. I bet he pissed himself back there, too. Well, it, not enough to slide off. <laughs> I mean, this guy is a pro. We need to. Why, I can't believe we don't have audio of this guy talking about how phenomenal he is. No, get him on the show. We we should. I, sh I we didn't have his name. His name was not released. But if I can find it, I'll reach out and I'll do what I can. His name should be flaunted. <laughs> I mean, he should be. He should get like the key to the city. Greatest the key to balance of all time. The that is ridiculous. Car surfing champion. This man from uh, from Memphis, Georgia. I marvel at LeBron James, who's six eight, dunking a basketball. I can't marvel at a guy sleeping on the freaking trunk of a car for 14 miles on the highway and not falling off and pissing himself i mean geez we're talking about an all-timer here a yeah. true legend it's cry cry i think we should i think now it's this guy Le michael jordan and then lebron james that's the order i think it's gotta be and tom brady's somewhere in there but somewhere not ahead of this guy not ahead of this guy not up in here legendary this guy is other uh addition i've got for let's get weird with wolchuk it's not really a story it's memes it's jaw-dropping secrets people keep from their landlords and it's created in a set of memes and some of these are pretty funny first one my landlord is a cop she doesn't know she is laundering my drug money via rent <laughs> wow it's a good one that is a good one number two my landlord doesn't know my neighbors and i connected our apartments by knocking a big hole in the wall boom more room for activities i love it do you like guacamole love it did we just become best friends Duh. You want to do go do karate in the garage? I thought we've been best friends this whole time. Uh, so. We have been forever. Really? Fondly, yeah. fondle each other all night. My landlord doesn't know I just had a baby. He is coming to change my air filter tonight in an hour. Ooh, you better find a way to hide, hide that. Hide your baby. baby. Hide your baby. My landlord is amazed I make so much money from nannying. He doesn't know I have a sugar daddy. But now he's moving. Sad face. Oh, that's a stinger. Go get yourself a real freaking job. My landlord doesn't know I have six cats. That's like my life. Oh, my gosh. By six the way, cats? That is the one. That yeah, is the most evil one. person on this list. The, over, the, over the money launderer. Over the guy knocking wrecking ball holes in his wall to combine his apartment. Over the sugar daddy lady. No, 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 no. This a-hole with six cats... Jeez, that's just, that should qualify as it should be a licensed zoo at that point. Bab, I know you went home to uh, Houston for your your beautiful sister Maddie's graduation. What up, Maddie Daddy? Uh, but I, I couldn't help but notice all the kitty pictures you were posting on your Snap story. Cats? Yeah, I have a 19-year-old cat. I don't know how much time he has left. So, uh, I... Wow, a cat at 19 years old. Yeah. We got him for Christmas of 1999. He's older than my brother. What does that mean in cat years? That's like in your early 90s. Early 90s? 
Because I know dogs, it's like you age seven years at a time. You think he's on his ninth life? Well, I thought he was on his ninth life about five years ago, but he's still around today. So, so you've seen him, him. So you've seen him die before. And he's just come back a couple of times, or yeah, might as well. He's got one more. He's got one more left. Wow, what's his name? Peppermint. Oh, peppermint. Peppermint. Like the schnapps. Uh, like the candy. Oh, no, like the candy. <laughs> the holidays, Christmas. But no, yeah, he always makes uh, wild appearances on my Snapchat when I'm in Houston because I'm always like, yeah, this is probably the last time I'm going to see him. I loved it. I think I actually uh, chatted you back with. One of those emojis with the hard eyes. Yes. Oh, there was also a Snapchat of my cousin's cats who were like a year old and like fight each other constantly. Oh, that was hilarious. They were the they were Siamese, right? Yeah. That cat, was funny. Cat scratch fever? Yeah, they just like to paw each other in the face. By the way, cat update, you know the kitten that I had for a night and then gave to my grandparents? Yeah. This little guy, he's, well, now he's not as little. He's grown. But he is running my grandparents' house, man. Of course. He has just taken over. He eats human food anytime they've got any kind of food out. Crafts wherever he wants cats, to. No, no. He's done a great job of using the litter box. I don't think he's been messy. Where do they keep their litter, bro- litter box? Is uh, it like just I, in the middle of the room? room. Oh, he's, he's got, got his, his own room. Oh, he's got his own room. His own room yeah, to crap got, on the floor. He does. And then it just sits there for Crafted however the long. Box. Uh, I don't know how long it takes them to clean out the litter box, but yeah. Probably days on end. Days just on end, there, baby. fumigating the house. But he's having a great time. Last one we got here. My landlord doesn't know that when the router goes funky, I hit the breaker to reset it. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> yeah, that guy's second on the list of bleep holes. Uh, right behind the cat guy or gal. And then the rest of these are just all about how, I guess, the place that they're living in doesn't allow for another roommate, but they have their friend living there regardless. So oh, yeah. Anytime the landlord's coming, the roommate's got to try and escape that's in probably, some kind of way. That's that probably, does not surprise me. I work at an apartment complex. I have for years, and yeah, we get all that kind of stuff. Nothing surprises you when you go through these people's apartments. Whenever they move out, the things they leave, the, oh, it's it's disgusting. You would be disgusted at these people. So oh, none of this yeah. none of this landlord stuff is surprising me. I bet not. You are a landlord, right? But that cat lady, let me tell you what. If I ever see you, oh my god. Bab, did you have something you wanted to say? Uh, I was just going to throw in the uh, having a, another person who's not supposed to be living in your apartment is probably the most broken apartment rule um, ever. That's oh, yeah. probably true. Friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, not even, not even this, close. that, bums, whatever. You know, my roommate, uh, one of them now... People you carry on your car for 14 miles. ...is uh, looking to get a one-bedroom. Do you think you could possibly help him out? Could we, like, have him come on air and we negotiate? Looking up for a one-bedroom? Like, I want to do a live unfortunately, apartment sale. Can we pull that off? Unfortunately, I'm not that high up in the ranking in order to be able to negotiate this stuff. I am just the guy that tells you what the negotiated price is already set in stone as, and it's up to you if you want to sign that awful, awful contract. What do you say? You recommend yay or nay? Should I even send him your way or no? Send him my way for a one-bedroom? I could find him a decent one-bedroom. Yeah? Decent. But, I could, too. Uh, I'm moving into there, one there's, myself. There's probably better oh, are you? Yep. Just depends on how, what his standards are. Is he a high-quality guy, or is, does he settle for fives off? You know, he really doesn't need that. He needs just an average place that's going to get the job done. He okay. lives at the apartment during the school year, but when he's going to look at these places, he's thinking that he's a high-quality guy. Mm, yeah. You know so, what I mean? He's one of those. Yep. He's got a uh, little false self-awareness yes. there. In Jeez. reality, he just needs a place where he can rest his head. I can give him a roof over his head. But he's going to go into it thinking, I want to find the nicest, affordable spot I can. Can't guarantee anything else. Yeah. Well, as long as there's no leaks, you know, it's good for me.
Yeah, no leaks, no litter boxes. You know the walls are always thin at these student living apartments. Yes, they are. You can always hear the fun that's being had up below to the side. The people above me are like rabbits. Really? Rabbits. Lots of exercise. Tons. Furniture throwing everywhere. I thought they just rearranged their partner or their, their apartment. They, they were rearranging their partner. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly enough. what they were doing. But I, I thought initially, my naivety, I thought they were just rearranging the furniture in their apartment every single night, perhaps twice. In a night, and I thought maybe they're just very OCD or whatever. And then I just, and then I started hearing her, and I was like, "There's no way she gets this much pleasure out of moving the furniture." At least I don't think. Have so, you ever like gone up, knocked on the door, said, "Hey, can I borrow an egg, or maybe I can just join?" Uh, twice. Yeah. Any any response? Positive, yes. negative? Positive. Uh, they loved me. Uh, I loved them. We believe in love. Love after love. Do you love hard too? I love hard. That's the way to love, baby. And hard loves me. And that does it for this edition of Let's Skate Weird with Wolchuk. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's the Nosebleed Seeds podcast. It's Zach Wolchuk, myself, alongside Eric Chiafalo, producer Bam. Uh, we're going to do two more segments for you. We're going to finish up our NBA Finals preview, and then we're going to move right into our usual entertainment slash UFC wrap-up. But first, before we get to that, and I'm putting it I'm throwing it. He's going to be honest toast here, but it's time for a little quick puck because the Stanley Cup Finals are underway with Bab. So, Bab, what do you got for us? I decided to break out the NHL on ABC theme Ooh, this week. Curveball. Because why not? Way to uh, spice things up in this quick puck, man. Yes, the uh, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals was yesterday. The first period was not worth watching. It was 3 to nothing Penguins heading into the second uh, got a little more interesting after that. The uh, Predators came back, tied it up at three apiece. Seems like everyone's rallying from 3 nothing down these playoffs. But then uh, Pittsburgh got a couple more goals in the dying minutes of the third to get the win. Pecorine, the uh, Predators goalie, with the worst performance of the playoffs for him so far anyway. He's been on pace to like break J.S. Shiger's record set in 2003 for like best goaltender performance ever. Uh, he let in five goals on, like, 17 shots. So, uh, yeah, that didn't last very long. And uh, game last two. longer. Game two is uh, tomorrow night. Well, that'll be fun. I'm excited for that. The first goal, Nashville actually struck first with a P.K. Subban goal. They got that was waved, waved off, off yes. for offsides. Did you think it was offsides? I, th- I it was it was very close. I think I really think it could have gone either way. I think they should have just let it stand, man. I didn't think they they called it a goal. I think they should have left it as a goal. Yeah, the offsides is always a little weird for me on reviews because you know it's like you still you still scored a legal goal. You were just you know. You just got into the zone too quick, and sometimes those are you know there's those there can be like two or three minutes between when the actual offside should have been called and when the goal ends up getting scored. It was surprising to me because I really felt as soon as that one was waved off, Pittsburgh struck pretty quick. They went up three zero going into the first intermission. I thought the game was over. So for Nashville, especially defensively, I think they went thirty seven minutes without allowing a shot on goal. Yeah, that's a record, by the way. Unbelievable. I, oh. I thought it showed great mental toughness from the Preds. I think we're in for a hell of a series. Oh, Break yeah. that record, oh, yeah. Bab. Break it's, it. It's probably going to six or seven, no doubt. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. But let's uh let's move back into this NBA finals talk because you know, people are we had an awesome video that was posted on our Nosebleed Seeds podcast Facebook page. It was also on the Nosebleed at Nosebleed Pod Twitter. Uh, I'm not sure if the Instagram because I don't have an Instagram posted it, but they probably did as well. But uh Suzanne and Deja are awesome S and D media. 
people that do an incredible job posted an NBA Finals hype video. Gave me the chills. It got me going, E. I don't know about you. Yeah, it hyped me up pretty good. And you know who else hyped me up for this months ago? Draymond Green. Oh, Draymond. Yeah, so we obviously know now it's set in stone, even though we've had a pretty good idea what the finals was going to behold for us. But early early in the NBA regular season, uh, NBA TNT caught up with Draymond Green, and he had this to say about the Cavaliers. If Cleveland comes out of the East, I want to destroy Cleveland. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. But I also know that there are steps to get to that point. And if and when we get to that point, I want to annihilate them. Now, I love that. Don't get me wrong. But my biggest, my biggest problem with this quote is he says no ifs, which is fine. No ands, which I can deal with. But no buts? I mean, really, Draymond? Why can't we have any buts? If Cleveland comes out of the East, I want to destroy Cleveland. Seymour buts? He wants to destroy no Cleveland, but he says there's it. no ifs. But also, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. No buts. I am a firm believer in buts. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. Seymour buts? No. Richard Seymour? Seymour buts. Buts? I will say my uncle's name is Seymour. And his uh, first name is his Seymour. His first name is Seymour. And his last name is Buds. I've always wanted to say that to him. Seymour? And I don't, I don't, but I've always wanted to say, hey, Seymour Butts. <laughs> but that would be rude and disrespectful. Draymond Green would not be okay with that. But you think Draymond's going to eat his words after this finals? I mean, what are you if thinking? Cleveland- I know you and I were talking off air, and I don't think either of us are going to make a prediction. It's it's too tough. If we do, it'll maybe be for fun. But it's just I mean, it what, doesn't what you, matter. I no, mean, it doesn't just, matter. Predictions are always meant to go wrong. But but what are you thinking going into this series? I'm excited. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, just like everyone has. I mean, I I don't complain as much about this as everybody else does. And oh my gosh, the NBA sucks. Oh my gosh, this and that. Well, at least you know you're getting the two phenomenal teams with a bunch of great players. Not only great players, but great players in their prime. You still have prime LeBron James. You still have prime Kyrie Irving. You still have prime Kevin Love. You have prime Steph Curry. You have prime Durant, prime Thompson, prime Dream. Every, all these all-stars, future Hall of Famers, MVPs, all these guys are in their primes. You don't always get this. A lot of the a lot of the ballyhooed finals of the day, you get older players. It's guys when they're kind of coming to the end Prom. of their career. An old Kevin Prom. Garnett, uh, an old Prom. Paul Pierce, an old Ray Allen. Prom. You get an old Magic Prom. Johnson against Michael Jordan. Prom. You get an old Larry Bird. Prom. It's not always Prom. these guys in their prime. Prom. Like you said, it is prime Prom. time, and it's just going to be phenomenal. Prom. So and I I, I have nothing nothing Prime. that I can uh, Prime. I cannot predict what's going to happen here. Basketball is too Prime. there's too many ebbs and flows. Prime. I mean you can be down twenty in a Prime. game and come back no problem. Prime. You can be down three one in a series and come back no problem. Prime. It just it just changes. There's too much back and forth and in one play in one game one quarter the momentum can change. It's prime time, all time, show time, good time. Boom. So uh, prediction wise, I don't know. It's hard for me to lean against. The Warriors, just because they're so ridiculous. They're freaking stacked on deck, man. 12-0, and 0, they add Kevin Durant. They're just, they're on another level. Oh, but then unbelievable. But then it's LeBron. And then exactly, you have a LeBron James. You have Kyrie Irvin, who's got the clutch gene. It's all he, about Kyrie. If Kyrie just has a struggling series, I know LeBron is LeBron, but he can't do it on his own. He's going to need, much like last, last finals last year, Kyrie stepped up, ultimately hit the game-winning shot in Game 7. He's going to need Kyrie 
And I think it was an interesting point. I think we're seeing the best Kevin Love right now that we've ever seen in the playoffs. Certainly, it's probably the closest version of that Love we saw in Minnesota, where he was just killing it, putting up points galore, numbers, statistic, phenom. He's finally found his groove. I think, to me, the edge to Cleveland goes on the boards. I love Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson and their ability to create offensive and defensive boards for Cleveland, maybe give them some added possessions. I like them over Zaza. Draymond's going to have his hands full down low, man. But yeah, then, but don't forget about JaVale McGee. As much yes. as we want to laugh at him, and he's on Shaqton a Fool practically every other night, and he looks like a schmuck with that little thing dangling from the back of his head. I don't know what he's got. It's like it's not as cool as a Jedi that tail. that rat tail Yeah, thing? it's a rat tail. Oh, it's like, dude, at least stupid. have a Jedi tail. What are you doing? But he's playing great for them. He's exactly what they need there in the low post defensively. He can he can at least guard the rim. He's athletic enough to catch these alley-oops and do some things. I think he's a nice matchup whenever they want to have him and Tristan Thompson. I mean, I think that's a decent matchup inside. If you're not going to have Draymond, you're probably going to have Draymond on, uh, probably have Draymond on LeBron fairly frequently. But I think they'll be they'll be rotating, wouldn't you say? I mean, don't you think it'll be a little bit of Durant, a little bit of Green, a little bit of Iguodala, and maybe a little bit of Clay Thompson? I think you're going to need a lot of Clay. I think Clay's going to have to have a baller series. And that's and that's one thing that's been scary is they haven't needed him to this point, but he has not played well. And when you look at Kevin Love, the guy who usually hasn't played well for the Cavs, well, he is stepping up and playing big time right now. So Clay Thompson's going to have to show up. But I'm with you with the Cavs and Kyrie Irving being incredibly important, especially late in the game when 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 it's pressure time. He showed last year he can do it, and he showed countless times this year. He's kind of their guy. When it matters most right there at the end, he can he can kind of take control. And he goes hard against Curry. He really takes pride in that matchup and trying to embarrass him. So he gets that extra level of the defensive intensity, and he just shows off his handle. He's got the best handle ever, probably. So him and Curry, that's a matchup I'm really excited about. I think whoever, I honestly think whoever plays better out of those two players ends up, that team ends up winning. Kyrie and Curry? Kyrie and Curry. That matchup to me is the biggest matchup over, obviously, I mean, I think LeBron and Durant are going to get theirs. And I think, I, I honestly, I don't know who I have more faith in, but Curry hasn't shown up totally in all these finals before. I mean, last year he was injured. No excuses this year. But man, when he gets going, there's nothing better than him. No, if he's, he's If he's hitting seven, eight, nine threes in a game, there's just, I mean. Cleveland's got no shot. They I mean, got no especially shot. Especially if it's not just him. If Clay usually starts to get that feel too, and then they really become the Splash Brothers back there. And if you got Golden State just making those three balls, I don't care if it's the Jordan Bulls or the Kareem and Magic Lakers, whatever you want to put out there, you're not going to beat the Warriors when they are freaking flowing like that. I like, though, you brought up, you know, people get mad about this. I'm so stoked for this series. The thing that, that bothers me is it just it's such a watered-down regular season, and I just felt like the regular season was pointless. The playoffs were pointless. It was a collision course all year long, and you could pen in this would be the finals for the third straight year. But once it's here, you're happy as ever. Exactly. And then hindsight becomes, I mean, as soon as if this finals ends up being what everybody thinks it's going to be, which is pretty dang good. And I can't imagine it not going at least six games because these teams are just too good. So uh, six or seven games, you're going to look back and this is one of the all time finals. Hey, that uh, 2017 NBA season was a hell of a season. Yeah, I'm not going to be upset about it. I was actually talking with Reg at Tula. Uh, one of the other producers at 105 through the fans, CBS Radio, Carol, the FM in Dallas. And he he's a big basketball guy. He made the point to me that, you know, a lot of people look at 
Cleveland and Golden State and put them in the same realm as super teams. And it's not, they're not, they're not really, they're organically created. It's not like what Miami did, what your Heat did, going out and plucking Bosch and LeBron and having them come and join forces with Wade. Sure, you had Kevin Durant go from OKC this offseason to Golden State, but it's not like Golden State hadn't been to the finals the last two years. They drafted Curry, they drafted Clay, they drafted Draymond. These guys just kind of, in this era of NBA basketball, it worked out for them. It kind of fell into their laps. They didn't go out searching for a bunch of superstar free agents to make a super team like Kevin Garnett going and joining Paul Pierce and Ray Allen joining them in Boston. It's not that same deal. With Cleveland, LeBron went back home. They sucked and landed Kyrie Irving with the number one overall pick. You know, they drafted Tristan Thompson. They did make the trade for Kevin Love, but these are more organically created, quote unquote, super teams than going out there like we've seen with Boston and the triplets, with Miami and the triplets. It's a little bit different. I think people are incorrect in saying that these are super teams. It just kind of worked out for both of these organizations that now you've got the two dominant forces in the NBA clashing come June every year now. Yeah, I mean, especially with Golden State, you look at the core of their team was drafted. When you talk about Steph, Draymond, and Klay Thompson, their core best players, they were drafted. Now then they, you're right, they got to just strike gold getting Durant. And that's more just on Durant because that was already, a, you saw a 72-win team. They were all drafted together. That's fine. But that's a phenomenal team. It is a super team. I mean... Kevin Durant choosing to go there is turning it turns that team. into a super team. It's just not the typical way that you think about it. Yeah, for sure. And that's why Golden State, that's why people were more endeared to Golden State, especially early on, because you were you were like, you know what, listen, they did it kind of the same way the Spurs did, which was organic. They built, they got a coach they wanted, they drafted their guys, and they developed them, and now they got three studs, you know? And then now it puts a damper on it a little bit that now it's the, the second or third best player in Kevin Durant ends up showing up to your team, and now people are going to be a little bit salty. But don't be salty. I mean, that's just the way the cookies crumbled for them. Lucky them. Um, and credit to them, because obviously they had to draft those other guys and develop them, so good for them. And then Cleveland, the same way you say, uh, I mean, LeBron was obviously drafted there, but he went back, so that kind of, I don't know what that means. But these are super teams. I mean, they're definitely super teams. And uh, it's going to just be, It's it should be phenomenal. I mean, I don't know. I hear some people talking about, honestly, most most people I hear talking about are picking the Warriors, which I get. It's hard to pick against the Warriors just because of the plethora of talent they have on their team and what we've seen them do. Going 12-0 in these playoffs, no one's done that before, this, that, and the third. But it's hard to go against LeBron. I mean, it's hard to go against LeBron when we have a good Kyrie Irving and a good Kevin Love. And not only that, but you have a deeper Cavs team than you've seen in the past couple of years and a fresher Cavs team. So it, that's part of the reason why I'm really excited about this because both teams are fresh and really lack any excuse there is unless somebody gets injured within these games. But they both go into it about as healthy as you can be, as fresh as you can be. And the buildup for this, that's what's so exciting because this buildup has been going. We've all kind of known all season and we've just been waiting for it. And it's not like we're the only people that know. You hear Draymond Green. He was talking about that. That quote, the annihilate them and destroy them quote was from early in the season. It's been building up, building up, building up, and it's going to be a great show. I think it's going. The only prediction I'll give you is that I think it is going to be a really phenomenal series, and it's going to go minimum six games, but I would bet probably seven games. Yeah, I agree with you, too. I think six or seven games, and I'm hoping for the seven. Yeah, I mean, everybody's hoping for the seven. Well, we got to be hoping for the seven, baby. Man, it's, uh, it should be, it's and, be and awesome. The, you know what else is going to be really fun, too? And you get so many good quotes throughout the playoffs, but, man, the post-game press conferences are going to be fun. You always get good quotes. So-and-so's bringing their kid up. 
adorable but then they're asking oh draymond's this draymond's that lebron called or you know draymond called me a bitch this that i mean the the post game audio that we're gonna get between games after games should be pretty great as well i don't even know which is going to be better the post game audio after each game or the game itself oh man i don't know either it's gonna be wonderful i'm excited because there's there's just ready for tip off there's so much angst you know what I'm saying? Between these two teams, it's become it's become a rivalry. Oh, it, it is. It has definitely become it a, rivalry. Is a rivalry. To see the same team three times in the finals, man, that is just. And and you remember last year when LeBron gave Curry that uh that he he little boyed Curry. Remember when he smacked his ball away and looked back at him, gave him that look. I know LeBron's gonna be doing something like that oh, again. LeBron. I mean, he's gonna be Flexing he's gonna be one to, he's gonna want to make a make a make a point. And I'm I'm interested to uh, what do you think game one just looking at game one in general do you think the Cavs have a, a, an advantage going into that game more than the rest of them a, aside from the fact that they're on the road but since since Golden State's been resting for like when it's all said and done like nine or ten days or whatever it is do you I mean, see what, the, they the get, game they got one an extra, or, an extra two days I think they on, had an extra two days or something like that I, I, don't, I don't know think so I think like like you've said and like we've been harping this is the third year in a row these two teams know what it takes to get up. For a finals game, they're well battle tested. They know what needs to be done. I think you're. I don't. If you see some rust, I think it'll be out of the way within the first four minutes of play. And both these teams will just be, yeah, banging heads. I wouldn't be surprised if the first game's a little bit sloppy with both teams having that rest. Obviously, the pressure of the finals, just the the all eyes. But at least, like you did mention, there is a, pretty much everybody has been there before. You know, on each one of these teams. Yeah. So, man, I'm looking forward to it. I'm stoked. Game one, Thursday night. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. So if you're listening past then, we'll already know the results. We'll definitely be all about the NBA Finals for our next few episodes until it wraps. And then even after that, we got a quick turnaround and there's the NBA draft. We'll get Nick Nepic back on here to talk some more draft talks. So a lot to look forward to in the world of the NBA. And I think uh, going back to what Kennedy was saying, man, the pressure on Golden State and I think there's nothing but massive gains for LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers for LeBron's legacy if they're able to pull this one out. So do you agree that Durant, or I guess he said Curry, but I would probably lean towards Durant, has the most pressure going into this I think, on himself? Yes. The, the most pressure is probably on Kevin Durant because you look at it, and just based on the eye test, I know it's not the same teams from last year, but the nucleus is pretty much the same. They went 7 You'd think you're splitting hairs, but you add a Kevin Durant, that should give Golden State the edge. So, yes, I think there's a lot of pressure on Kevin Durant, not only for Golden State to win, but for Kevin Durant in particular to have a good series. No, I'm with you 100%, but I also don't want to I don't want to undersell the amount of pressure that is just always on LeBron. You know oh. what I'm saying? Like LeBron just yeah. always has yeah. that, that pressure, and if he has a bad series, which I, I mean, obviously no one would be predicting that. I don't see that coming. Or if he just if, if he seems like the reason why they lost or he does something in this loss. I mean, even really just a loss in general, unless it's one of those losses like the first time against Golden State when he was just going insane, but he was the only guy they had. Irving was hurt, Love was hurt, and he was just going off for like 45 a game. All he had was the deli. Filling up the stat sheet. Yeah. So that's the only way LeBron can lose and not get a lot, a lot of flack. Which is, I mean, it's understandable, but I mean LeBron still has plenty of pressure, even though I will say probably less pressure than he himself has ever had going into any finals because I mean he's he, they he won did last he year. did what he set out to do which is bring one back to Cleveland. 
So at the end of the day, if he never wins another one again, he at least accomplished that. That's a scary thought. It might free the mind of LeBron James. It might just have him be playing carefree. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have that pressure of, I've got to bring back the championship to Cleveland. The championship is there. He's just trying to protect it now. And really for all the Cavaliers, because like you said, I mean, most of them are coming back and were on the team last year. I mean, they've they've been there, done that. They won it last year. So it's kind of like Golden State going into last year. The pressure wasn't really on them as much as it was the Cavs. And now the tables have kind of turned. I think the pressure is mostly on Golden State and Kevin Durant. But don't under undersell how much pressure is just always on LeBron. If he, if he doesn't play well or if his team loses, he's just always taking a lot of heat. So when you're the face of the league. But that's the beauty of this, man, because we got a lot of big name guys. You have LeBron, you have Kevin Durant, you have Curry. I mean, and, and like we talked about, they're all in their prime, which you don't always see in an NBA Finals, even when it is the big names. A lot of times they're kind of long in the tooth and they're getting towards the end of their career. All these guys are still in their prime. It's just going to be magnificent. Nosebleed Seats Podcast, Zach Wolchuk, Eric Chiafalo. Producer Bab, it's going to be fun. The NBA Finals just around the corner. We will keep tabs on it. And uh, as I said earlier, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about it moving forward. Now, let's wrap the show with some uh, some entertainment and UFC talk. We got a couple of spots we want to go with this. First and foremost, UFC Fight Night in Sweden took place, uh, was underway this weekend. That is the Wonder Woman theme, by the way. Wonder Woman also is coming out. And since that's playing, you know what? Let's skip the UFC thing for a second, and let's talk about Wonder Woman. So, Gal Gadot, who made her first appearance in this new DC cinematic universe of the world of DC comics in Batman versus Superman, and a lot of people, including myself, might have thought she was the best part of that dreadful film. Well, now... She's starring in her own solo movie called Wonder Woman as she plays Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, alongside Chris Pine, the beautiful Chris Pine, who is playing the male lead, Steve Trevor, also her love interest. Early critical reports for Wonder Woman, and, and you expect over the last couple of years, any DC movie that's come out, it's kind of clunked. Man of Steel, average. Suicide Squad got reamed by critics. Um, Batman vs. Superman got slaughtered by critics. Well, here comes Wonder Woman with 70 reviews. 70 reviews, people, from the critics. It's sitting at 97% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's currently holding right now an 8.2 IMDb, IMDb Cinema Score. An ancient princess is awakened from her crypt beneath the desert, bringing her with marvelous grown-over millennia power and terrors that defy human comprehension. So we'll find out about Wonder Woman's backstory. We'll get to see that adventure. It seems like it's uh, it's a pretty solid film directed by Alex Kurtzman. Comes out this weekend. I think I'm going to end up seeing it early next week. We'll see. But I'm going to see it soon. I don't know if I'll see it by, before we're on air next. But uh, I'm excited about it, dude. Do you think uh, Wonder Woman tempts your interest at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about it. We've talked about this before. The Marvel stuff, I'm not really super, super deep into it. So I'm not aware of her and her story and all this stuff. But, I mean, a beautiful woman kicking ace. I mean, why wouldn't I want to watch that? Why wouldn't you? Uh, other movie that came out this weekend, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, with Eric and I both expressed our interest that, well, quite frankly, we don't have much of an interest 
and seeing Pirates of the Caribbean 57. It did have a $7.5 million opening, so it won the box office. Coming in second place was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Dose in its fourth weekend at 27.2 mil. In third was Baywatch, which really underperformed with 23.1 million. Baywatch kind of tanking a little bit, and Alien Covenant at fourth with 13.4, which I saw, thought it was pretty solid. Uh, also saw Baywatch. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I was surprised it did so poorly. The critics didn't like it, but it's not really a movie that the critics are going to like. It's just a funny, fun, stupid film that uh, if you're looking to just turn your mind off for an hour and a half and just enjoy life, you'll have fun with it. But otherwise, if you're looking for scripts and quality and story and substance, yeah, it's not very good. That's my kind of movie. Exactly. I'll see you there. So there's your uh, quick little cinema uh, roundup. And then back to the UFC stuff. In Sweden, UFC Fight Night took place. It was an international event. The main event featured the top two light heavyweight contenders, uh, Alexander Gustafsson, a.k.a. The Mauler, Stockholm, Sweden's own, took on Glover Teixeira at UFC Fight Night 109. It was an awesome fight. Late in the fifth round, uh, Alexander Gustafsson ended up KOing. To share us, so now he is in line to most likely face the winner of John Jones and Daniel Cormier for the light heavyweight crown. He's already lost to both of those fighters. The fight against John Jones, though, an absolute classic, one of the greatest fights in UFC history. A lot of people, including myself, think maybe Alexander Gustafsson won that fight, depending on how you uh, went the point system for each round. And then uh, against Daniel Cormier, also very, very close fight, but Cormier ended up winning it, I believe, by decision as well. But a beautiful moment inside the octagon at the very end after the fight, Alexander Gustafson being interviewed, and he ended up bringing his girlfriend, Moa Antonio Johns, jo- Johansson, excuse me, up into the octagon, and he had this to say to her. I love you, and thanks for having a kid or baby. I love you with all my heart, and do you want to marry me? Yeah. We believe in love. We believe in love. Love has just been the theme of this episode. So Alexander Gustafson brings in his beautiful, beautiful uh, now fiance into the octagon. It was really quick. It was kind of rushed. It was a little awkward. But either way, a pretty moving moment as he got down on one knee, opened up the ring, and proposed to his longtime girlfriend, who he does, uh, I, I guess they have a child with already, and the two of them are now engaged the next big UFC event will happen this coming weekend. It's UFC 212. It is Jose Aldo, otherwise known as Where's Waldo, and Max Holloway, the flying Hawaiian, as they duke it out for the featherweight belt. Two fighters who the notorious one, Conor McGregor, has defeated Jose Aldo famously in 13 seconds. Max Holloway, though, one of Conor McGregor's first fights, went the distance. Really good fight between those Max. two. Way to go, Max. Yeah, if Max Holloway defeats Jose Aldo, maybe that'll add some intrigue uh, to Connor to possibly come back down and defend the featherweight title. I'll say this. Connor's all about making history, and we know his focus now is solely on Floyd Mayweather, and eventually that fight will happen. But if and when he does return to the UFC, if he wants cement to cement himself as the greatest fighter in UFC history... In my opinion, he's got to go and defend his belts. He, he's yet to do that. He won the featherweight belt, and he just moved right up and, and fought Nate Diaz. He's now won the lightweight belt, and now he's off, and he wants to fight Floyd Mayweather. He's yet to defend his titles, and to me, it's not a big deal. He's still great. 
But if you want to go down in history as the greatest UFC fighter ever, just to add to your resume, I think you got to put a couple title defenses on there. And that just me, but that's a knock that some people would have on the one and only Conor McGregor. That's the only knock, though, right? There's You can't knock him for anything else, no, though, can you, no. Walter? He's the best, baby. No, I'm still marveling. At, it's probably the most bad-A way to propose to somebody by just beating the crap out of a professional fighter, getting paid a lot of money to do it in front of a lot of people, and then saying, baby girl, I'm going to wife you up. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? Yes. Sure will. After I just saw you beat the crap out of a grown man who was supposed to beat the crap out of you. From all these people. Hell yeah. Kidding me? I've never been more turned on in my life. Woo! Really aroused. It's getting weird up in here. That's a guaranteed yes. It's already sweaty and hot. There's no way she says no. Ladies, doesn't matter who the guy is. I mean, if you've been dating him for a little while, you go to his fight, he beats the crap out of some guy who's supposed to beat the crap out of him in front of tons of people. He makes a bunch of money. You're going to, yeah, you're going to say yes. Well, it's like the pressure's on. You've got to say yes, but then you go back afterwards and say no. See, I've always wondered that. Like, what would I rather have done to me? First of all, I would never be the guy that goes to a sporting event halftime and, you know, proposes in front of all these people. Now, this guy who's a fighter, at least he was a part of the whole thing. And, you know, it was his night anyways. Uh, But I would never be the guy that goes to a sporting event, gets on his knee and does that. But if I was... Man, I think I'd rather have the girl tell me yes in front of everybody and then break the news to me like 10 minutes later behind closed doors so I can cry to myself. Because you don't want to be the guy because then you go viral, right? You go viral. Everybody's seen the video. The guy asks in front of tons of people and the girl starts, oh my gosh, no, she puts her hands in her face and then she runs away. And then the guy just dies right there, right there on the the basketball court in front of all these fans. (laughs) He just dies. I'm not dealing with that humiliation. No. I need to know. You have like, to be I so need to confident. know going into it. I've got her friends coming and telling me she's waiting on you to propose. She's getting pissed off. I know it's wanted and it's a yes before I'm popping the freaking question. And not only that, I'm doing it in a place where maybe there's like some close family members of hers and maybe mine, something like that I've seen people do. But I like the idea of being completely away from everyone. So and if naked? I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, roses, candles lit. I mean, when am I not? The moonlight's out. Oh, you're always free balling it, baby. That's right. Let so, it yes. bang. Absolutely. Proposals, man. And uh, as always, if you are looking to go and propose, you can just pop into our good friend Robert at the Diamond Broker. Get yourself a nice engagement ring. AKA, not Bob. Not Bob, baby. Gosh, I love Robert. You've got a little bit of a, we got the spelling bee coming up, right? Yeah, the, uh, the spelling bee for everyone who loves that, which I know we all do because it's great. The spelling bee, I think it's on ESPN. It starts tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, it's May, it's gonna be May 30th, May 31st, whatever it is. Last year's spelling bee was awesome. I think it was Nihar or Nahir or something. I can't remember the name of the kid that won, but he was a big time Cowboys fan. Des Bryant was his favorite player, and he just threw up the X as soon as he won in the face of his opponent last year. It was pretty dope. Yeah, well, um, so the spelling bee starts tomorrow. It goes on through a couple weeks of June, so you can tune into that on ESPN, I guess, uh, from time to time over the next couple of weeks. But I saw this whenever the uh, Sports Illustrated was talking about the spelling bee, and they came up with this. It's from Google Trends, which is America's most misspelled words. They do it by state, so it's just the top searched, like how do you spell blank, that is that gets searched in Google from each state. So it basically tells you which which word each state struggles with the most to spell. So I'm looking at a map right now of the country, the beautiful, great United States, and uh, each state, instead of having their state's name in the middle of it, they have the word that they struggle with. So we're in the great state of Texas. 
You know what the word is for Texas? That just Texans just really, they just can't freaking get it. Quesadillas. Wrong. Fajitas. Wrong. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to make you keep guessing. The word is maintenance. <laughs> That's a tough word. That, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy, but there's definitely more difficult out there. But can you, can you spell? You live in Texas. You're in Texas right now. You're from Texas, even though you're South African, American. Chew. M-A-I-N-T. Is that right? First you are correct right? so far. You are correct so far. Do you need it in a sentence? A. Is that the next letter? A. So that's where that's where it got that's wow. where, that's, the, that's, the, yeah, that's where it got tricky. That's the first roadblock. I got block. the ma- but I wasn't sure if it was like a maintenance or if it was is it I? Wrong again. Really? Wow. So e. yeah, I'm a Texan true and true. It's an E. M A I N T E N A N C E. Yeah, okay. So it's the E in the middle of there. It's the e. So all you Texans who can't spell aka Walchuk, maintenance M A I N True Texan, through and through, baby. A-N-C-E, maintenance. All right, so. I'll own that. That's fine. All right, any other states you're curious about of what they cannot spell? Florida. They get pretty Florida. weird. Yeah, we do get weird in Florida, and it is that word. Let's is just receipt. get vaped out right now. Receipt? Yes. Receipt. Oh, receipt's an easy one. All right, give it to me. R-E-C-E-I-P-T. Boom. Ding, ding, ding. Great job, Walter. Thank you. All right, so you're clearly not from Florida. What about uh, New York? New York City. New York. All right, I got it. And this is this is actually I'm ashamed of New Yorkers for this one because there's a movie that if you've seen, it pretty much walks you through how to spell this thing. And that word is beautiful. Oh my gosh, B E A beautiful. Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey, if you've never seen it, you're a bleephole. Yeah. All you New Yorkers, if you need to know how to spell beautiful, you say it just like that. You say B E A and then beautiful. Beautiful is spelled U T I F U L. So beautiful is spelled Walchuk. B E A U T I F U L. Boom. Boom, baby. Beautiful. What about Boston? Boston. Boston's Boston. a city. Massachusetts, really. Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, Boston's not a state. But the other problem is here up in the Northeast, since this map doesn't tell me the names of the states up in these small ones. I forget, but up there in the Northeast, they have trouble spelling. Uh, let's see. My That's guess okay. is, I think this is Massachusetts. So I'm going to go ahead and say that this state that I'm looking at here on the map is Massachusetts. And Does they kind of look like a spelling rec- the word 12. What? 12. Like they're, they're 12 years old. It's only one, two. That sounds like very Massachusetts. Yeah, it's pretty. That's about is as dumb s- as a box of rocks. Is it the state that looks like a rectangle with a J coming off of it? Um. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, that's Massachusetts. Yep. Do you okay. know which one Pennsylvania is? Pennsylvania. That's the big one in the Northeast. That's the big one. I think sauerkraut. Ooh, sauerkraut can that's be tricky. That's a tough one. I would, there's no that way I would have got this right. G- g- give it your best shot. Shower, sauerkraut. S-A-U-E-R-K-R-A-U-T. Wow, dude. Props to you. All right. That E is what would have thrown me off. That S A U E. Yeah. Well, see, being Jewish, the Reuben is a favorite, and, oh, okay. and most Reubens come with sauerkraut. And I've got to say, no sauerkraut, please, because I'm not really the biggest sauerkraut fan. All right, fair enough. Well, it looks like California struggles spelling the word beautiful as well. I'm trying to just think. It looks like uh, I don't know if this is South Dakota. I think it is. They they have trouble spelling college. Oh, we're good old Brent Trent. Brent Wise is. Brent yes. Wise. Yeah, no, this is South Dakota. Isn't he in North Dakota? No, no he's, he's in South, South Dakota. South. You're right, yeah. Rapid City. 
Uh, oh, this is this is ridiculous. Okay, so people in Wisconsin have trouble Cheese. spelling the word Packers. Wisconsin. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> that is the number one most searched how to spell blank word in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It's like, and you can Wisconsin. thank T Pain for that. Wisconsin's not even difficult to spell. Because he, no, but T Pain, you blame him, right? Because didn't in his song he said. Somewhere in Wisconsin. And now everybody thinks there's an A in there. So it's can instead of con. People probably think Wisconsin. They put an A instead of the O. But Wisconsin, for all you people that live there, and you just, dumb as a box of rocks, you spell it W-I-S-C-O-N-S-I-N. Wisconsin. 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 It rolls, it rolls right off the tongue. Sound it out. It sound, it, it, you spell it just how it sounds. Wisconsin. All right, I got two... States left. All right, two more. Give them to me. Which ones? First one, California. Let's go. Let's yeah, go no. uh, west coast. I, th- I thought I just said that, but maybe I didn't. Uh, California struggles saying the word beautiful. Okay, or I'm sorry. The you word did beautiful. say that. You did say that. Uh, Alaska. Alaska. Okay. That's. A, I feel like that's an easy one to find on the map. Easy one to find on the map, except for when it's not, which is like right now. It's I think not this on the is map. Alaska. It's either, it's it's either just... Alaska or this is Hawaii. Well, Hawaii is little. It's got a bunch of little islands. Okay, yeah. then this is Alaska. This is Alaska. <laughs> schedule. Schedule. All you Alaskans out there, you're struggling with the schedule. I get it because you don't know whether it's night, day, tomorrow, or yesterday. Schedule. Goodness. Spell it for me. Walchuk, spell it. Schedule. S-C-H-E-D-U-L-E. Schedule. Victory is yours, my friend. All right, let's go one more. <sighs> All right, it looks like in, I guess this is Alabama, a struggle. Actually, let's look at uh, Mississippi. This is bad. Mississippi can't spell the word nanny. Nanny? That's or- literally three letters five times. Yeah. N-A-N-N-Y. Yeah, you're right. Nanny. They just struggle with that's it. So I mean, that's, 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 so, that's right peak. Yeah. That's peak. That's peak. What's Louisiana? They're bordering state struggling with. Giraffe. Giraffe? I can get giraffe as a little two I Fs. Suppose. I mean, the double F. I mean, the it's very F rare you get, get the double you. F. Two Fs will give it to you. Two Fs, yeah. Fs yeah, going to give F. it to you. Yeah, <laughs> I like that you picked that up. There you go. Oh, geez. All right. Well, yeah, people can't spell tomorrow. Dilemma, priority, vacuum, appreciate. Delicious. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody's These are just words that America struggles with. Oh, in New Mexico. If you lived in New Mexico right now, there's a high chance that you wouldn't know how to spell the word banana. Banana? A.K.A. Banana hammock. What? You said it. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. There's a little uh, spelling... That just like, deficit. We just, uh, the we just peeled back the curtain on America's stupidity. Man, and I proved that I am as Texan as Texans get because yeah. I can't spell maintenance. And you spelled every other one correctly. Except freaking maintenance, That's right? amazing. Damn. Uh, remember, maintenance has an E in the middle, not an A. Not an A. For all you Texans an out e, there. An E, not an A. And I do always want to put an A. I think we got listeners in Georgia. And for you, I want you to know that you probably struggle spelling the word gray. What? Gray. Are they putting an A uh, okay. instead of an I E? Can... No, they're putting an E instead of an A, you schmuck. It's spelled oh, with an A. I can Dyslexia. understand, I can understand go. that one. Walcha can't Why? spell gray, Why? can't spell maintenance. You schmuck. Gray. G-R-A-Y. The color gray. The color gray. Not the last name of Christian. 
gray or gray's anatomy no that's there's probably an e what it there. is i mean you've got exactly you've got yeah. all these grays i guess there's multiple ways to spell gray because there's the the e one and the a there's one e and the a yeah. yeah so it's like which one are you looking for the color or a last i guess you are always going to look for the color because i think the other one is more of a last name yeah i don't know i don't know the root the origin but people struggle people struggle with gray hmm a lot of gray people. A lot of grays out there. In the, Georgia. The gray area, which, by the way, I think is the name of a uh, of a podcast that one of our friends, Grayson Nolette, is trying to create. We might bring him on the show a little bit to That's talk about that. That's a really that. good name. Yeah, I that think you came up with name. that, didn't yeah, you? Somebody did. Some genius. Interesting. Well, we might have him on to talk about that, and he can thank you for uh, naming his podcast. But that does it for this edition, episode number 17 of the Nosebleed Seats podcast, Zach Wolchuk alongside Eric Chiafalo, producer Bab on the ones and the twos, baby. I hope everybody enjoys the NBA Finals. It's been a fun one. We've talked NFL, 100 days till kickoff. We had Kennedy Miller on. He talked about LeBron James and how he is really making it interesting with Michael Jordan in the conversation of the greatest of all time, especially if he keeps up this trajectory and can beat the Golden State Warriors. We'll find out finals around the corner we got weird we had some quick buck and we talked entertainment get on out there support dc and go check out wonder woman this weekend if you see it let us know hit us up at nosebleed seat at nosebleed pod on twitter nosebleed seats podcast on the facebooks and our instagram chi instagram is nosebleed pod nosebleed pod as well all right so hit us up. I'm Actually, it's NBS Podcast. Oh, NBS me. Podcast. Okay. Yeah. Too many names. I'm Zach Wolchuk, at Zach Wolchuk, at Chiafalo Sports. Bab, did you change your Twitter handle? I did. It's now Zachary A. Bab. Zachary A. Bab. So official. He, he went away from the Babosphere. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and it didn't stink too bad. I know we had some quirks in there, but you hung around with us because it's the safe space as you are. Keep on being a nosebleeder. Hit us up on iTunes. Subscribe. BlogTalkRadio.com slash Nosebleed Seats. It's been composed as hell, everybody. Hugs and hand pounds. Enjoy the rest of your week in the finals. Nosebleed Seats out. Composed. Stay in your lane.